Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another brand new, all new, all different edition of Cult Following, the podcast brought to you by the same fine folks you'll find at Cult Classics every month at the Polytechnic Cinema. Find us online at cultclassicsaz.com. Find out more about our film reviews and all of our opinions and other podcasts at cultfalling.co, cultfalling on iTunes, SoundCloud. I'm one of your four hosts for this special edition. We are Voyagers Unto the Unknown, and we're going to tell you what we think about movies. We're angels to some and demons to others. I'm Victor Marino, along with Joshua T.T.T. Roof. Rogue Joshua T. Roof. Hashtag Rogue. Kirby Nelson. And our fourth man on the pod this week, Jasperino. What up? Host of the House of Freaks podcast. You'll also find him at most of our Cold Classics events, helping out. Hanging out in the Outlands of Arizona. And he does. He also does all our t-shirts. So if you ever had a t-shirt, thank them. Freakywear.com. So, we are now at either New 52, Issue 2, or Episode 53, if we stick to the original number. You know, when we do Rebirth. Boom. That's right. <laughs> We're geeks. So, this edition of Cult Following, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching in the past week. You know, we're, we're all new all weekly. And we're also going to talk about some underrated and underseen gems that we, in the horror genre world, that we think you should check out. Check it out. Uh, before we do that, let's catch up with what we've been up to this week. So let's start with our main man, Joshua. What have you been up to this week, dude? Oh, man, I've been living life on the edge there, buddy. You know, I'm, Aerosmith uh, reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have been. Uh, I watched a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, um, I watched Fate of the Furious, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> Kirby saw that, right? Yes. I- I'm interested <laughs> to see you so two much. talk about, uh, you know, the the uh, gossip war between Vin Diesel and The Rock. <laughs> Hashtag F8. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like. Those movies are dumb, right? I mean, yeah. it's accepted to the fact that they're they're kind of bro Avengers now. Yeah. Um, you know, which is definitely kind of where they are. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think 5, 6, and 7 were definitely better movies than mm-hmm. this one. Um, it had not enough uh, stupid action sequences and too much of that sitting around seriously talking about the family oh you my know, god all that kind of stuff um but yeah i mean you got a uh, rogue vin diesel so i mean how can you possibly go wrong i guess i know I, i've read a little bit about the uh plot synopsis of this and it just sounds <laughs> it's uh, seriously it's a plot <laughs> yeah the dumbest thing like the excuse that they use and no spoilers but the excuse that they use to have this guy go evil i'm like no i'm sorry that's not a good reason it, it's like at the end of this whole thing if if i told my people yeah well i was willing to potentially doom the planet to a nuclear apocalypse because of x like i'd be like no that's not a good reason no yeah. no no you make a, a decision to say no that's not what you're gonna do so that was like a big thing for me but that's what vin diesel would do yeah right yeah exactly that's what the family does <laughs> toretto yeah so <laughs> i you know it was dumb fun it was definitely a fun experience honestly going to see it at imax like almost nobody was there that's amazing <laughs> yeah so. deserted imax yeah exactly so uh so yeah <laughs> there's that what did you think of that uh, kirby 
Uh, I already posted my review. I, as I said in the podcast last week, I was probably more generous than I should have been. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's if you turn off your brain, it's big dumb fun. I mean, I'm just I'm not really a fan of those movies. I'm not really a fan of most modern action films. I think the only film series I've seen that I've enjoyed in years has been uh, John Wick. Oh, I yeah. think that's, John, John Wick is solid. That, that's about it. I mean, I just don't have. I mean, I went through like a big Hong Kong phase in like the nineties that. Just absolutely obsessed, like John. Where you Wu. felt you felt like a badass whenever you walked I outside did. and uh, <laughs> pigeons flew in your direction. I, I may have seen the replacement killers more than once in the theaters. It's something I'm not proud of. No, but it was um, awesome. But it was um, no, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's just it's one of those things. But I mean, you know, it was right before the whole like face off replacement killers. What was the one with the Mark Wal- the corrupter? Oh, the like corrupter. Yeah. Yeah, What's yeah. the one with uh was it uh Bridget Fonda and Jet Li? Is that the replacement killer? No, uh replacement killers was Mira Sorvino. Sorvino. Oh, Chow oh Yun, yeah, yeah. Chow yeah, Yun yeah. Fat. Yeah. Two people that just fell off the face of the planet. Uh, the last thing I saw Chow Yun Fat in was uh the the whitewashed Dragon Ball Z. Oh That's right! Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow! Oh, wow. Um, How the mighty have fallen! Oh, and he was in that terrible bulletproof monk movie. Oh man! Well, he didn't. I mean, he kind of got his second win with the whole crouching tiger thing, which I completely noticed. Everyone has forgotten. Yep. Like you bring up that movie, and people are like, "What?" Oh, I still love that movie. Kiss no, the but dragon. I haven't watched it in a long time. I, I mean, right. the was the uh, yeah that was it. no I meant it as um like you know it's like the pop culture zeitgeist right. in the early aughts I mean it was so big yeah. like not only was it like Oscar celebrated but it was a big phenomenon yeah like, people were like wow that was amazing I mean you kind of had that a couple years later having Kill Bill you know it's kind of like oh this is really what people want to see well crouching tiger hidden dragon was the first like american made movie that kind of brought japanese style special effects right to the theater like with the floating and flying and the sword fighting in midair all that well yeah stuff. i think it was like ang lee's like homage to like the house of flying daggers exactly. and all that mm-hmm. stuff um so yeah so i saw fate of the furious which you know is slight but uh it was a good time i i guess the the scene in the preview that got me is like where the rock like grabs a, a like a torpedo like with his bare hands and like throws the torpedo and I kind of wanted like the whole movie to be just rock was there torpedoes. like was there like Popeye music going on uh, in my head there was um, <laughs> that seriously happened in the movie oh yeah oh, totally he literally grabs a torpedo and throws it dude that's oh my god amazing Does um, it still while explode? he was in a moving car oh yeah Does of course ex- oh my god that's <laughs> the rock doesn't th- if the rock throws anything it explodes he could throw a feather and it would explode so, wow yeah. Yeah. that's really along the lines with like the uh, Jason Statham crank movies. Oh, I put the, but, but those are those are magical. I exactly. wish that this was half the movie crank or crank high voltage was because oh, oh my god, those movies are incredible. If you can keep your <laughs> faith in kayfabe, I mean, this is like probably <laughs> the best work ever. Like it's it's ludicrous. Like just no pun ludicrous he is, No he is, pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. I think I made that slip up last time again too. But it is it is so. Um, you know, it's funny they bring up the rock and his superhuman strength. I mean, the prison scene without uh-huh. spoiling anything. I right. mean, him spoiling. and Jason Statham are are well. No, I mean it's just right. even like the that's the one thing I can say is as much as trailers gave away, as much as this trailer gave away, there's still so much in this movie because it's so long. <laughs> yeah, it's very that, long. That just show up. You get maybe some jump cuts and quick shots, but like the uh, 
the prison escape scene is out of control. Yeah. I have never I mean the I mean it's what do you call it? Like um you know, he brought up kind of like Dragon Ball or Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I mean the way people are getting tossed around, it looks yeah. like an old school beat 'em up. Yeah. Like totally. a final fight. I really like that. I like their dynamic too, and I guess they're they're doing a spin off of just the Rock and Jason Statham's oh, characters. No. So that's going to be the spinoff of the Fast and the Furious films. Oh, wow. And I'm all about it because I, I, I think those two should just be hilarious. called the Furious. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's is, uh, is Vin Diesel is going to be just him doing Rihanna karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. you know, this is this is one of the things that I've heard levied in as a criticism of F8. And I, I believe it having seen uh, all, you know, up to like F7. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know everybody knows fast five was the best one clearly oh yeah fast five is but um you know and, and it makes sense especially after you know paul walker's passing in the last one like every character that vin diesel was close to at this point in the series save letty right uh is not in the series anymore so maybe it's time for vin diesel to not be in the series anymore since apparently they're having to jump through massive hoops to find reasons to keep him in there he honestly is the like my least favorite part of them yeah um, but he'll know. always be in them because he produces them sure. so it's like this double-edged sword where like that that this franchise like prints money for universal right, right. and so they have to keep up finding giant convoluted reasons to keep them as involved well as and speaking of convoluted reasons i mean it's no secret that at the end of fast seven whatever i don't remember what which one that was called it was furious seven right or something like that um and so at the end of that one you know they didn't obviously kill off um paul walker's character they had him just kind of drive off yeah. in the sunset which was it was i think that was touching and a well you know kind of handled but then in this movie they're like oh well this is the reason he can't be here and are they just going to continue to do that like in every single movie going oh well this is the reason that he can't be here and it's like that that kind of takes away from the whole idea of the family my my take on that is probably eventually they'll kill his character off to have a reason right for you know toretto to seek ultimate revenge against some ultimate baddie sure you know because you can't kill him immediately afterwards. I yeah. mean, I hate to say it's I was like kind of surprised book. they didn't do that for this movie. I really yeah. thought that was going to be the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, oh, it, so that was that. And uh, I saw also, I went and saw Colossal, um, which we'll spend a ton of time on because, you know, we did spend a good amount of time talking. We did spend talking. a good amount of time um, on it. But yeah, I'll say, I, you know, I, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of it, it being this kind of interesting statement on toxic masculinity i like know? that that's that's a good that's a good yeah. way to say it you know it was um definitely interesting uh but yeah just a completely i mean just a really weird movie right i mean you it can't was totally that, weird I, it's one of those things where you leave you can't I, like i i was surprised there were people who had a concrete opinion of it <laughs> leaving the theater because right. i just it, it it is it's just like you you i i mean i, I let that we think like i want to like this right but you know the the things that really really drove me up the wall um is just the absolute lack of logic that happened in the film and i'm not even talking about the logic of the main conceit of the film yeah which, which is, is problematic which is problematic in my opinion they actually explain too much because they do all this flashbacks to try and, and tell you what happened the flashback like i said it's half ass it doesn't like, tell you a, anything yeah it's like okay yeah it's like something. oh so magic lightning that's your explanation i would rather it been like a being john malkovich thing where it's like they never explain why there's a portal that, in that's a wall that's kind of why what know? i was hoping for like 
you know, like a wormhole scenario sure. or something. Nothing. You know, just don't explain it. I think that would make it more interesting. But then you have this situation where you have a monster that keeps on appearing in Seoul at the same time every day. Okay, not maybe not there every day, but certainly there a lot of days. And every single time the monster or the robot appears, the streets are just crowded with people. <laughs> the the freeways are just bumper to bumper traffic. Like you're gonna tell me they wouldn't close down Especially this Especially once they realize exactly where it appears in the same yeah, spot. Yeah, it's always yeah. appearing in the same spot. And it's like you've got little kids running around and all this stuff and, and literally every time they're all screaming, like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe No, you should believe this. You should have come to expect this. I wouldn't be anywhere near this that would be completely closed down by the government. So that and and then the other one was the the fire scene in the bar. Um, yeah. How literally they have a five minute conversation where in the background there's this thing that's burning and it's like something that's clearly very flammable and yeah. the fire is staying in the same place for the entire conversation and not spreading. Yeah. Um, so little things like that where it's like, wow, I'm clearly looking at CGI fire right now. Yeah. And well, it's obvious. Uh, just to, just to put that scene in, in added what the fuck context. The fact that, you know, Dan Stevens' character is kind of like, let's get out of here. He's right. And she still doesn't make a decision. Yeah. Like, the the degree to which Vigalondo makes Gloria, a.k.a. Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. a cipher in this movie. Oh, yeah. Is, is just, it's maddening. Well, and maddening. it's maddening the fact that she wouldn't do anything. Because I'm sorry, at that point, at the point where you're, where he's holding her hostage, essentially, yeah. by, pro- by threatening to do what he's going to do. Like, no, you go to the government at that point, man. Like, you just, yeah. you get stuff taken care of. You don't just forever be this guy's well, slave. Well, especially once she her, she comes to the decision on how to stop him she uses, which, like, to me, right. made no logical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But I, I was just like, okay, it, it I'm just throwing made my no hands logical up. Sense, I so, don't yeah, understand. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, so that was that. And, um, you know, I guess just uh, other quick things to mention. I, uh, I did see uh, Justice League Dark. I know you'd mentioned yeah, the um, the Teen Titans thing last it, week. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's, it's not okay. Great. I mean, I I, I actually kind of liked it. It was pretty. It was pretty dark. It was pretty bloody, and that was kind of cool. It, it does have the same problem I have with um, the new Fifty Two animated movies. Mm-hmm. Like Jason Amar is a terrible Batman. Right. Right. And the fact that like, and you get you get the idea that like with these animated movies. Uh, DC is afraid to have one without Batman. Uh huh. You know, like a Batman sells yeah. all the tickets. And he didn't need to be in there. He, he's in it for a few right. minutes right. at best, and he's terrible. They even use like a terrible scene there. It's like, was it when the house, when the house is analyzing uh-huh. him? And it's like, oh, you have so much pain. How do you get through it? He's like, I have a butler. <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of laughed yeah, at that. I thought know. that was pretty funny. Yeah. But what one thing I think it was hilarious is that how John Constantine like never smokes a single cigarette and the whole thing. Yeah. Yet they have no problem like watching like people getting bloodied and killed and everything. Oh yeah, especially <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So and yeah, it's pretty awful things yeah. happen in that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um. So yeah, I watched that. I mean, it's 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 worth a watch. I I didn't think it was terrible. It's nothing to really write home about. But it's cool because it's you know for people who don't know what Justice League Dark is, it's all all the kind of like dark magical characters so you got like john constantine mm-hmm. you've got um i mean there's swamp thing is in it um it's got uh devil man right is uh, the demon etrigan De- yeah. yeah yeah well uh demon etrigan well who's the guy who possesses people 
Oh, Dead Man. Dead Man. That's yeah. it. Dead Man. And Etrigan is cool. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, I was. I kind of liked. Oh, and Zatanna. Yeah. Um, so it was cool having kind of all the magical characters and everything. Um, and then just really quickly, I also watched uh, Mississippi Grind. Uh, which mm. the reason I watched this was because they just announced the director of Captain Marvel is the co-directing team of Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden, uh-huh. um, which it actually got a bunch of flack because they said, "Hey, we you know we have a female." superhero in captain marvel and we've got a female writer because it's going to be written by anna fleck and then uh, co-written by uh, nicole perlman who oh, co-wrote, co-wrote guardians, guardians of, the of the galaxy right so it's going to be written by a couple of women and co-directed by a woman and uh, you know of course at this the internet exploded uh with um well oh well she's only getting a job because she's a woman and blah 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 i don't care if it's a woman and you know the it, you know all that kind of nonsense. I, I will say i think it is super bizarre how uh, James Gunn 100% gets the credit for Guardians. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though you watch the movie, clearly says written by James Gunn and yeah. Nicole Perlman. Yeah. And they just literally cut her out of all the promo. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, no, that was all I James Gunn. I think that he um, only uh, only wrote part two, I think. Is that he correct? Wrote, he wrote and directed part two. And yeah, he yeah. wrote it, and he's writing and directing part three. Yeah, exactly. But so I um, I had seen Half, Half Nelson, um, mm-hmm. which was the first film, I believe, by uh, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bonin. And I'd never seen Mississippi Grind. Um, mm-hmm. So I really did want to see that. Just to kind of get a feel for their filmmaking, get some pictures of kind of what I think Captain Marvel might be. Um, and I, I thought that was just a tremendously well done film. I mean, it was a, I don't know if it's something that is anything to really write home about, but um, I mean, it's got great performances. It's, um, it's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and I mean, Ben Mendelsohn's one of my favorite actors, period. Um, he was a uh, Krennic. Yeah, Krennic. Yeah, yeah exactly. In, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, and Ben Mendelsohn's just great and everything. So I, I thought that was a really good movie. I wanted to shout it out again. It made me, uh, I, I watched it just specifically because of that Captain Marvel news. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Kirby? Um, not a huge amount this week. It's been pretty busy, but um, I did check out a couple on Redbox just for, uh, you know, it's not a lot of that interested in seeing anymore. I used to actually, I've, Used to see a lot of stuff in um, uh, the Dollar Theater and stuff like that. I would go see a lot of stuff second run. I just don't have that kind of time anymore, so yeah. I just check out a lot of stuff. Redbox. I haven't been complete. I still not swayed to the VOD. Um, Victor uh, preaches constantly. All, all my movies this week are on VOD. Dude, you got to go to Superstar Video, man. Just hit it up. Didn't didn't that burn it down? Burned no, down. one of them burned down. The other one's still. I go there every week. Oh, the one on it's Maya. on Forty Seventh Avenue and uh, Dunlap or Olive, I guess. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm down on. Um, I actually used to. I live right up the street from the one that burned down. Oh, so. dude, me too. But I mean, no, I mean, and I didn't. I mean, for me, the video store experience, like, I mean, that I grew up with, I think it's cool, but I just it it can't be replicated. Plus, I mean, my big thing with movies too is is that. I buy what I'm really interested in, right. and then I just I want to pay a dollar to see everything else. Yeah, I'll, I'll never be a. I've never been into um, file sharing or downloading things, and I'm not saying that as a legal disclaimer. Right. My whole thing is is just I want to see in high quality. Like I I've seen playing a jailbroken and you know download stuff, and I never find the quality to be good enough. Like that's the only thing I can't stand. I hate bad quality stuff. I'd rather support it and support people. But um, I, I I mentioned, I know last year, I mean, Kubo and the Two Strings was on my top five for the year. And Wait, I maybe. really actually enjoyed Zootopia, too. I had a few letdowns in the animation one, but 
if I had seen this last year, I might have added it. Not 100%, but initially, I really enjoyed Sing. I saw really? that on. Yeah, way more than I expected wow. to like it. the one with the koala? Yeah, okay. I really thought this was going to be absolutely... Because I hated... I pretty much hated Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. I thought that was so terrible and so forgettable. Whereas this one, it's not great. But then at the same time, like while I was watching it, I really enjoyed it. And that's what I find more and more with movies. And I bring up to people as I go, we even had this in our, um, a while back last year on the podcast, um, Adam had put together a, a kind of, uh, what do you, NCAA bracket, NCAA bracket. Oh, yeah, or, um, that episode. We did like a final four of what the best movies were. And one of the things that Victor had actually brought up was what movie would you really rather watch? And, you know, in, and that's, kind of the way I start I've started feeling about a lot more of films is what I really want to watch. And yeah. so um you know I really I still enjoyed it. It's worth the buck 50 or whatever I paid to rent it. So and probably a little bit more I'd watch it again. I actually thought it was well done. Um on like I said I I'll watch anything. I've always said that and I'll just see stuff I had checked out um I'd seen the trailer and I thought eh, maybe that'll be kind of good. Um was Edge of 17 with huh. uh, Woody Harrelson. Oh yeah. You know, it's kind of a coming of age story and I um you know, it just kinda of looked a little bit more brutal. Not like Todd Soldner's kind of like <laughs> vicious, but it looked a little heavier. And I was like, but it's not. It's very um very plain. Like I just can't say there's anything good or bad or indifferent. It's just completely scripted. Like it's by the book. Totally yeah. paint by numbers. So not, no, I didn't enjoy it. Woody Harrelson is it, you know, he's just kind of like the sourpuss in it that he's in in every movie pretty much. Um, it's like, what was that one, uh, few months back? I saw Gold with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, it's, God. It's, that movie's completely forgettable. It, but it's Matthew McConaughey as, you know, no matter what. I it, it's like it, if you think of like matthew mcconaughey not to hijack this yeah this is that's like the third or fourth movie he's made where he's looking for treasure yeah. it's like a living stereotype of matthew mcconaughey movies like all right i think <laughs> i think we got a treasures track here okay you know and it's like this one's in indonesia the other one's like go in the sahara this yeah i was just gonna say wow you may have been one of the only people who saw sahara which i did not know for years is like the one of the top five box office flops and oh, pretty really? much killed the whole idea. I know, it. which made me wonder why they made gold. It's like, okay, so here's the synopsis. Matthew <laughs> McConaughey, treasure hunter. <laughs> I think what? I feel like Sahara I, I feel like Sahara would have been a huge hit in nineteen eighty six. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's maybe I kinda of think why I kinda of liked it. I mean Sahara was one of those movies I rented, had yeah. really low expectations and was like, oh, this is actually a, this is fun it's, for a Tuesday. You know night. what's really funny? This week, uh, we were watching uh, HBO Go, me and Ruby, and uh, we saw uh, we were watching The Jewel of the Nile. Oh, yeah, God. and it's 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 just it's you look at that movie now, I'm like, oh my god, this movie would bomb so hard now. But that was like part of a yeah. burgeoning franchise. Yeah, but that, Romancing the Stone yeah. was the show. Oh yeah, that, yeah, like, no, yeah, and and but the, you're right, it it would have failed. It's really funny because you could tell it's one of those movies they made because like, oh, the first one did so good. Like even and you knew you knew it. This is like a cash at the beginning. Like, you know, she's having a conversation with Michael Douglas and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, you know, I'm just trying, you know, when when the going gets 
rough, the tough. Well, I don't know what the tough do. I'm like, really? You just you just made a shout out to the hit song <laughs> from Romancing the Stone in like uh, the first five minutes of the movie. That's yeah. Just like, oh, just it's throw that movie. in there. People but like being reminded of movies they like. The thing that's really funny, and this this will close me out, is uh, it, that movie has a surprisingly good soundtrack. Really? It's like really synth heavy. That's awesome. I, and I'm like watching. It's like, man, you could. There's a like a train scene that has like the synth heavy sound. Go on. And I'm like, this would totally. Someone should like repurpose this and use it in a car chase. Now he's like, oh my god, who wrote that? That would be so awesome. <laughs> but it's just weird. It's synth heavy soundtrack in a you know Kathleen, you know Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas <laughs> movie. I think Jasper's right. The Jasper's right with the um. The whole like aftermath of Indiana Jones, like Sahara would have been big. Also, because that was the era. I mean, Clive Cussler was writing books. Mm-hmm. The guy who created the character Dirk Pitt, who's in all his book. Pitt. I mean, it's kind of like the, the mix of like. Um, Don't forget the Quartermain movies. Yeah, so. I was gonna say oh, um, Quartermain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then there was um uh there was another one too, the tomb Indiana Jones that was like that. The, no, there was a couple different ones where they had movies that were very similar, but um. You know, but I was thinking like the Clive Cussler thing. Like there was, um, you know, they try to make one like Mac Bolden and stuff. All these, um, you know, Remo Williams. Yeah, well, Remo there. Williams yeah, was yeah. also the shit. Like I, I know we're gonna segue into underrated movies. That's an <laughs> underrated movie by far. Um, which finally got the treat. You know, finally getting the treatment it deserves. Um, but it, um, no, that whole era of those kind of things where they were trying to make characters that were going to be, it would have gone over probably way easier in the eighties with an established fan base. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those ones where, uh, you know, the, I, I love that stuff. I always think for me, the, um, you know, when they talk about like, kind of like, ah, should we give this a go again? I always think the number one one was, I always remember when, uh, curse of the black pearl came out. I'm like, did, did we forget about Cutthroat Island? Did we just not oh, think right. about this at oh, all? Like, man. Well, know, Cutthroat Island to. was the one-two punch of... Um, well, who's the guy who directed... Uh, no, Remy, Remy Harlan, Harlan, who is Remy Gina Har- Davis's husband. And then they got Matthew Modine because they couldn't get... Uh, oh, what the fuck so was... Boring. They had somebody else in and they fuck, or wanted to get someone else. Somebody bigger star power. And they had to sell Bigger for than Matthew Modine? Modine. <laughs> they did. They had to, they had to settle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that killed. Um, man, like, Rennie Harlan's been directing. It's kind of like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Schumacher. Yeah. I mean, he's just directing, like, dog shit now. Like, well, after Batman and Robin. While, yeah. Like, no, but, I mean, you, you think now, it's been almost, tw- it's over 20 years now. He has not gotten a chance. To even do something low end. I mean, he's no, done a few eight things. Mil- he... Eight millimeter was after Batman. And, and, yeah, yeah but that was still in the in the nineties when he still had a little bit of clout. But in the two thousands, I don't think he's had a. I liked the film he, he did, did, like Veronica Guerin. I mean, he's done like a few things, which is you know like the he biopic. did a good one. I liked um, Blood Creek, which was like a Nazi zombie movie they did. That was a lot really? of fun. I actually really enjoyed that. Another underrated one, but yeah. and then only to close this one out real quick, just because. Um, I talked about last week was um the I finally finished that series Thirteen Reasons Why, oh, yeah. which is oh, still right. like the top trending topic. And did you cry? No, not once. Because I keep um, seeing Facebook posts. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I just keep seeing Facebook posts about. Oh, I just finished Thirteen Reasons Why, and I can't stop crying. Well, fucking crying to your unicorn frappuccino, you basic <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. Uh, uh, my whole problem, I mean, in the end, I mean, it's well acted, it's well done. I'm not gonna say that's not, 
But I guess I, I kind of made an, an uh, Instagram post about this, but this is the way I generally felt at the very end is, is that it is the worst thing if you've ever experienced depression or suicidal you know, thoughts and stuff, both of which have permeated almost my whole life, is, is that this whole film just plays out like this horribly cliched, weird fantasy, like revenge fantasy. It's such a glamorization of suicide and like oh, that you can, um, you know, go from beyond the grave and get justice. And it plays into so many. I mean, and this is as a sexual assault uh, uh, and domestic violence counselor and someone who has experienced both in my life. I can personally say that I am absolutely tired of not only the complete distortion of facts, but the constant, like, uh, what do you call them, tropes, where it's like, they didn't believe me. They did, And it's like, yeah, there are going to be people like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean there aren't resources. And, yeah. and, and if you feel like there's no resources and there's no hope, all I can say is, is that's the only trope I will say. There are resources, and things will get better, and, and you know you can do it. But it's just one of those ones where, I mean, this film, especially for young women, I'm sure somebody thinks this is empowering. I find this completely the opposite. I find I think women are going to watch, a lot of young girls are going to watch this and go, well, that will solve all my problems. Like, yeah, that's so a, I don't mean to get to too, I don't mean to get too heavy on this or anything like that, but I just, I have to say that because it's important. This is like the and not only because a lot of mental health and suicide prevention specialists are saying this but because it really is just the truth like it's not if if you just accept it as a uh you know a narrative uh you know a literary narrative because it is based on a book but it and it like i said it has power it has impact i the only one of the only ones that they some people i disagree which i do think was more powerful was the scene of you actually the suicide is shown and is very graphic is it, um, is it anywhere along the lines of uh, the rules of attraction? Oh, I hope not. Uh, yeah, I guess in a way. I'm never going to hear that song the same way ever again. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's if it, anything, that's a good example of what suicide is more like. You know, it's like yeah. you know, oh, this she's trying to romanticize it. Oh, yeah, I got yeah. me. Oh no, no, no. The one I always think about, actually, when I think of suicide or in film, is actually um. I, an underrated, unseen one is actually one of Keanu Reeves' early movies. It's called Permanent Record. Oh, I That's a powerful that movie. movie because the whole movie is about how people deal with the aftermath as opposed to um, it, it, there's no glamour in the, the individual who committed suicide. Mm -hmm. It's all in this. And in this film, I don't know, it just plays out so... Um, it's no... Uh, I love my dead gay son. <laughs> no. <laughs> there is... There will never be suicide. anything. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do it. it. Don't do it. Big fun. Big fun, baby. Yeah, there is nothing. Um, there, there's nothing better than Ram. It, it'll never, it'll never change. Um, that was that was a good. Coda. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's yeah, a good coda, the, the Ram coda. <laughs> how about you, Jasper? What are you watching? Um, I'm usually the guy that's behind everything. So uh, as behind as me, but maybe. Uh, um, took our kids to see Moana couple weekends ago Moana's yeah. really good I, I just watched that this week myself I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to um who knew the rock could sing right well kind of that was, was like the best song it was so catchy he really can still sing better than still, Vin Diesel. I'm still singing that you're welcome song in my head <laughs> like it won't go away it's so catchy but uh yeah it was really good it made me want to go to the beach and have a beer you know? <laughs> yeah. so yeah I think uh yeah I 
put it off and put it off. And we even almost bought, bought the Blu-ray at one point. And I was like, I don't want to buy it until I've seen it. And, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, it was actually really enjoyable. I I liked it a lot more than so I colorful to. too. Yeah, it Man. was really really good. I liked the message behind it and everything. So uh, you know, um, watched an interesting movie on Amazon Video called Pet. Oh, I keep seeing that. On. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, too. but it is awesome. Um, it's got the guy that played Charlie from Lost, uh, Dominic. Uh, what's his oh, name? Oh, the Long Hobbit Man. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's got a nice twist in it. Pretty much, he's a kind of a loser that gets into the girl, and he's trying to. I felt kind of bad for him because he's trying to be nice, but she's just seeing everything he does as stalkerish. Mm. But then uh, the the great thing, and I won't give anything away, but it takes a really, really dark, dark turn. And uh, you're like, holy shit, I totally didn't see this coming at all. So mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. It's really good. It's kind of a mind fuck. Nice. So that's, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, I'm totally stoked about, I've watched the Alien Covenant trailer probably 12 times, and I'm really, really stoked about you know, it. Um, so. do, I mean, do we want to talk about that little short? The, the thing I that actually up did see the short. We could talk about it. I mean, it's only two minutes, so yeah. it's not like it's or, or it's like you know three minutes. But I think that was important, um, you know, because I that's the question I've been asking myself over and over again. Going the covenant is what happened to David and what happened to I can't remember her name, but um, uh, Sh- Doctor Shaw. Yeah, Shaw. Right. So yeah. what happened to Shaw and David? Like, are we just going to go into Alien Covenant and not say anything about Shaw and David, even yeah. though it still has the same act? in it playing a different android right Right. so um i'm really glad there was some closure but that itself ended off in a um a cliffhanger do we do you think there's going to be more leading up to covenant uh i my take on it is that that's a clipped version of the actual prologue we'll see in the movie really that's kind of what i think i think it's gonna be separate my my bigger issue with with that thing is um what's the name of the um i'm blanking here the name of the android that Ian Holm plays in the first Alien movie, Kane. Kane, right? Oh no, Kane is um. No, not Kane. Um, what's his name? Oh God, I'm God such, I can I can hear Sigourney Weaver's like angry voice oh, saying God. it, but I just. But was it was it Nash Ash Ash, Ash. was it Ash? No, no. I'm killing myself now because I don't remember this. No, like, well, we'll get oh, it in God. a second yeah, as Josh yeah. looks it up. But you know, a big a big issue in Alien is that android kind of going rogue on right them. right you know and then an alien uh, it is ash it is ash. Uh, yeah okay, yeah okay. Ash. Okay. yeah ash yeah. going rogue on them in the first alien movie and you know uh you know ripley's the only person who slightly mistrusts bishop in, right uh, yeah aliens yet we've had prometheus where david is basically a sociopath which is going to lead in. So we're just supposed to, no androids are all nice until it happens to me. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, like I still, even though with everything he does in Prometheus, I still side with David. Cause like to me, oh, yeah, cause, um, that guy was a dick. Oh yeah. Wayland. Uh, you know, well, I mean the guy who he poisoned yeah, with yeah, the black yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that guy was a dick to him constantly for no reason. And to me, he's just like, I'm an experiment with you. I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I kind of felt that guy had it coming a little yeah. bit. I don't know. I, I I am interested in seeing because I I up until this point I had not seen the Alien Covenant trailer, and I'm like James Franco and Danny McBride are in this. Movie? And James Franco's the captain. Yeah, and I'm just like <laughs> I, I'm 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 almost glad I I am registering that now. Right. I think if I saw that, <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> like, 
I'm like, are you fucking like, with me? I just, You're I just know. waiting for Seth Rogen to show up. No, you know not. You guys! <laughs> there's an alien on board! You I know just, what actually I was thinking of is, is that it kind of makes you feel like that this is the end where they do pile off with right. Spice yes, 2. Yes. Like they would write the script and yeah. then act it out like the Be Kind Rewind style. Right. Like where we're going to sweep this. Like yeah. I, I was going to say, I could so, see... So you're like, saying there's an alien... and. It, it hugged your face. It hugged your face with its vagina mouth. Did you go down on it? Oh, and Danny man. McBride's like, you should be used to that. Uh, but I yeah, I can see pussy like, face. Like Jonah Hill, like on this is the yeah. end. I can see him coming yeah. out of the cargo hold going, guys, there's some really not good stuff happening back there. I, you know, I am interested to see uh, Danny McBride do a more serious role. I mean, I, I think that, you know, on, on Eastbound and Down, he definitely got dramatic yeah. during certain parts. And I think he's got some drama chops. I know. To him. I, I mean, I've seen um that uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Ivan Reitman's son. Uh, he directed you know Jason. Jason. Jason Reitman. Yeah. He did that movie Up in the Air. Yeah. And Danny McBride plays George Clooney's son-in-law. Oh right. Or a, a brother-in-law. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and like it's you know it's a serious part, but not really because he's having cold feet and it's kind of like sure. You know, but, and that's the whole thing. Like, would you say Pat Oswalt in Young Adult is a serious role? I would. Him? Yeah. I so, would. I, would I mean, that that's kind serious. of the bar. I'm Not as serious like, as, right. as an alien movie. Yeah. Though, you know, like, cause that's still that Pat Oswalt being, you know, witty and funny. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas this, I mean, sure, he's probably going to have some comedy lines, but at least from all the clips I've seen, it's him being kind of more genuine and the idea that this is a bunch of couples, right, that are, yeah. that are all going to colonize there. And I think he had some kind of tender moments in the preview that I saw. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I was very happy to at least have that little bit that we had in terms of that yeah. two-minute short because any kind of resolution shows me that they care. And I actually don't think that's going to be in the film. And personally, I think that – and I think they, they said, like, this is an exclusive online short. Yeah. So I think it is going to be a separate thing um, You know that, that you're intended to watch separately from the film. So that you are like, asking those questions. Yeah, like, uh, you know, what was that? Uh, the Darjeeling Limited have the sure. Hotel Chevalier. Which was, I think, people. terrible. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, exactly. But this, I think, would be a little bit more required viewing. Yeah. Just in case, if you care about the, the uh, continuity. But, I mean, it looked great. The special effects looked great. So what I really love about that is that I think it was probably, I mean, I'm taking a guess here, but. Maybe Ridley Scott saying, well, no, I'm going to do this next Alien movie, but we have to have some kind of resolution on Prometheus. And them coming out with a digital short that is very, very up to par in terms of the actual film. And my I think that's my only take on it is I, I find it really hard to believe that uh, Numi Rapace would mm -hmm. only be in this short and not in the actual movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, though, maybe because I, I mean, it's not up to her, right? She has yeah. to do, you know, whatever Ridley Scott wants. And I suppose I guess we'll find out. Yeah. You know, we'll you know that that seems to be a thing now, too, with and it's kind of marketing genius when you think about it, giving you that extra online or digital content that you have to go to the website to watch or it's mm -hmm. a two minute thing like this. The Walking Dead's been doing that yeah. pretty much since the first season where they've had whole story arcs that were aside from the main thing that you could just watch in little five minute video clips yep. on the website and it makes a whole new story aside from what's happening on the show and it's just kind of a way to hook up the social media with the movie going and everything else and plus it, it probably makes for uh 
some good uh, extras on like well, and them Blu-ray doing... when it comes out. Yeah, I mean when when uh when Prometheus was coming out, they had all those uh ads for David. Yeah, sure. You yeah. know, which was like it was funny too. And the Wayland like, Utah, the Peter Wayland product from the Wayland Utani yeah. Corporation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like um the, but they also, I mean, they're smart. Their strategy, like the Talking Dead thing. Yeah. Most people would look at that and go, I mean, I'm sure in the beginning we're like, this is the stupidest idea you've ever had. Like, this and is And everybody dumb. does it and now. Th- and now yeah. everybody does it. But that's right. also the rise, I mean, the last 10 years of, like, podcasting, of all these things. I mean, oh, and it's that, an that's interactive why it's community. Smart. That's why it's smart. Yeah. I will say the Game of Thrones one is terrible. I hate it. Oh, I it wish is. that Chris yeah, Hardwick absolutely. hosted it, honestly. Yeah. You know, because, I don't know, I'm a fan of Chris Hardwick. So I'm like, you know, because you, that dude's a genuine geek. Yeah. Like, he actually knows his stuff. And, uh, I don't know those two guys that do the game of thrones stuff. it's Ugh. it's awful especially yeah. when they get the geek girl and she tells hey you guys oh, yeah. i read all the books so i'm here to tell you where the mm. show went wrong right and i'm like die just die <laughs> yeah so it's the olivia munn syndrome <laughs> and you're like could you actually do some shows no she's so totally can... acting up like i'm so oh, geeky well, yeah of course but that's always going to be the yeah. try hard thing and then when you actually get somebody you know it's like nah we'll just cast you aside like somebody who actually knows it's like I, I just, yeah, I can't stand it. It kind of feeds into that whole Comic-Con, like, oh, I'm such a geek girl. Look well, how cool it, it, I am. You know, the, here, I mean, I didn't mean to make this a big segue, but, like, I, of all those, I like, you know, the Walking Dead one. I even like Talking Smack, the one that comes on after SmackDown. Oh, it yeah, says yeah. something when WWE does it. Right. And it treats like, you've been watching this product. You know what's going on. Yep. The Game of Thrones one on HBO is terrible because they have a giant map. It's like, well, let's go over here. Let's see what uh, Aya's been doing. And I'm like, it's we just like, watched yeah. this episode a minute ago. You don't have to tell me where these people it's like are. Like I'm a they moron. were blatantly copying it, but they don't really get it. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I just look at it. Like, I never watched the Game of Thrones post-game show. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> I don't really care. Well, it's it's like anything else. I got you it. want extra content. Yeah, but like, for, if they do it for Westworld, I would watch this, it. This is the way I look at Game of Thrones, though. George R. R. Martin having to hire a fan to keep everything in order sure, yeah. to me is is the sign that this yeah. is not going to work. I mean, <laughs> it, but that's it. Kind of segues one of the things I did just want to quick say about Prometheus is one of the couple ones I've seen a few good ones. I know James um, uh, Rolf, the Angry Video Game Nerd, he did a really good one on the kind of um, continuity and thing timeline of Alien because you know it's like Alien, Aliens, Alien Three. And then it's like Alien 4, well, here it is in this future and stuff like that. And Aliens vs. Prior and stuff. But when we got to Prometheus, you know, it's funny. After having watched the movie a few times, you really realize that when you get down to the details, this movie has nothing to do. You know, I mean, I mean, it really... none of the to, to me, it's like it's basically Alien and Aliens and everything else is Apocrypha. Yeah. yeah. They're but, all standalone. You yeah. can't even count Alien vs. Predator as being a Predator movie, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It all has to do, to me, in the end, with that, you know, people want so badly for everything to be connected. Which is stupid. And, I think it's, it's stupid like, in comic books. I I know there's people who even think try to say, no, all 24 James Bond movies are all in continuity. Oh, no, James it. Bond is just a secret uh, nickname that gets passed on to the next 007. I'm like, yeah. dude, let it go. Not everything you love has to be a straight narrative tie. Well, then you get the even more ridiculous ones, the the clickbait where it's like, are uh, is the uh, the the blue sky 
that they were selling in Breaking Bad? Is that what causes zombie apocalypse in Walking no. Dead? I hate oh, that no, shit. That, that kind like of thing would just so get me re- so angry. Exactly. You're I hate clickbait probably more than anything else on this earth. I mean, I mean, I truly abhor it. But one of the ones I saw recently, which is... Um, Oh God! It was for that thirteen reasons why, and I I can't go into. It. I mean, I'm not going to give it away like too deep, but basically, towards the end of the film, you realize one of the characters is full on playing Columbine, uh-huh. um, and it's like a, a kind of it's a a character, an auxiliary character, but he still plays a role prominent enough that you get that feeling from him. But it's like there's a dark. They always put the fans' dark theory or something. I'm going. Uh. Dude, if you fucking couldn't figure it out, that's not a theory. You're not point. It's somebody pointed out one on um one of the ones I've hated the most over the years. As I mean, The Simpsons is my all time favorite show. I love it. Probably I quote it biblically. I can never <laughs> stress enough how much I love this. Somebody's talking about how Mo knows that um it's Bart calling. And it's like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, are you, I are think you, it's beyond fucking <laughs> obvious. obvious. Mo's always no. It's because he's very lonely, <laughs> yeah. and and you know that. I mean, that's why the the <laughs> Mo and Maggie episode was so good. Yeah, especially for being a later season episode. I love that one because you realize how lonely Mo really is, and how I still think one of my favorite scenes of that is when he's trying to kill himself in yeah. the oven. <laughs> no, no funeral. Uh. Yeah. All of Mo's, um Looks like it's suicide again for me. <laughs> what was the one, too? Oh, the one where um, Homer's... The, the one with fucking uh, uh, Gary Coleman. The one where he's the Grinch and steals all the presents. And Moe's out on the fucking balcony ready to jump. And, and everyone's so involved with what Homer's doing and talking about that they don't even see him up there. There's so many, so many great Mo ones. But I just, like, I mean, I, I and I mean to tangent off so much but i really i mean clickbait is just absolutely awful i understand yeah. in the uh complete clusterfuck of the internet like and there's so much going on like you have to have attention grabbing stuff but it's like i, well, I mean it's i would no rather one reads no one reads yeah. exactly. they're like yeah. oh if it's a headline on facebook it has to be true yeah. but this is one of the reasons i've come to like reddit so much the past couple years people try to post that and then some mod will post a flare it's like, guess right. what's happening? And it's like, it's not that important, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way it should be. It's funny you mentioned Columbine. I can bring that back now. Too. It is funny, isn't well, it? No, yeah. <laughs> and, no, uh, my wife and I, I have also entrenched ourselves in rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the mm-hmm. series. And uh, we're at season, we just ended season three, going into season four when we go to college. And, now we're questioning, do we need to start watching Buffy and Angel in Tangent? Because the two shows kind of work together for like the first season. Uh, they had all the crossover episodes. But anyway, we just watched the season three episode where uh, Jonathan was in the, the tower with the gun. And oh, Buff- Charles whitman yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Buffy yeah. could read minds and she they were all trying to find out who it was. And Xander was like, yeah, who hasn't thought about just bringing a gun to school and blowing everybody away at some point? And I was like... You can totally tell this is pre-Columbine because they would never let that (laughs) on TV now. They do a lot of that. I I still remember the the one where Spike has the Buffy sex bot. Yes. And he's like, she's a sex bot. Who hasn't always wanted that? And they do this shot of like Buffy, Dawn, Tara, and Willow looking at him. It's like, too many girls. I miss Oz. (laughs) (laughs) I just always, speaking of which, now now that's a clickbait headline. From an actual news site was blow uh, blowjob 
sex robot being built on oh my God, Kickstarter, I saw I and saw I was that. like, "Okay, <laughs> how now, many click-throughs are you going to get for that one?" I uh, I gave twenty five bucks to that Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, but I, I will say that if you ever want to see one of the fucking creepiest documentaries, and there's no other way to put it than that, is the guys and dolls, and it's about. Um, oh, I love creepy documentaries. Oh, yeah, it's the have, guy who falls oh, falling in love with their real dolls. Yeah, it's dolls. like four doll, oh four gosh. guys and their love with the real, the real girl. But the documentary, but yeah. it's the actual real deal documentary. <laughs> it's not as not nothing to me will ever be more unsettling than I think we're alone now. Yes. Oh, I love oh, it so my much. God, that that I wanted so to creepy. go see Tiffany so badly when she was here, just in the hopes of maybe seeing one of those yeah. guys. Like, I mean, uh, oh my gosh! But th- no, she was playing at the same time as somebody else, so I couldn't go to Tiffany, unfortunately. But I really wanted to, ironically, go to Tiffany like right. so badly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll get you a Debbie Gibson show. Maybe there'll be well, a you know stalker there. Is, uh, please, please have her as sing. A, as, a little, as a little bit of a side note, Tiffany was good, like that was my seventh and eighth grade right there. And that was uh, Tiffany was like the angel. Like, oh my god, she's so Mall hot. culture. Oh well, then god. I remember. Well, then I remember. Um, her Playboy. Yeah, right? like years later, she finally did Playboy, and I was like. My childhood's been ruined. Like, Disappointing. Yeah, it was like, oh. Yeah, not to turn this into a poker game or yeah, anything, but I, I, I got to say, though, I was very disappointed. I'm when, glad somebody else was on board yeah, with that. I wasn't the only one. When um, Belinda Carlisle was in Playboy, I was so disappointed because I realized it was current Belinda Carlisle, not chunky Belinda Carlisle. Um, you know, and, and, dude, when she was chubby, dude, that's like one of my dream girls When right I was there. younger, like probably in high school, you know, I had like a buddy of mine, and this is when Britney Spears was like really big right um and he's like oh my god i just want to see britney spears naked so bad and i was like buddy listen you're gonna see britney spears naked one day but it's gonna be when you don't care yeah Yeah. that's true britney spears missed the boat on that if i was britney spears the day i turned 18 i just signed that multi-million dollar contract so fast (laughs) because now nobody cares right well it's just like it's like uh sunny Right. Well, nowadays it, it's you can you know it's not like a thing where you know people get naked get on TMZ or something. right right but it's just it's one of those things like if your career hits the skids fast enough I mean I remember uh, what's that Lindsay Lohan movie where she played the stripper I know oh, yeah. killed me oh, yeah. and doesn't actually get naked <laughs> nope. once the whole movie uh, but you know cu- pass by a couple years where her career hits rock bottom rock bottom and she does the canyons yeah with james dean the porn star and paul schreider who did uh taxi driver mm-hmm. and it's like one of the worst movies ever and if you ever want to see uh Lindsay lohan's ghost nipples over and over <laughs> and over again there you go God, uh, who doesn't want to see Lindsay lohan's ghost nipples though to be fair <laughs> Yeah. So, so anyway, so now that we've so been alien, Mr. <laughs> now that we've been Mister Skin for the past fifteen minutes. Sorry, uh, I feel like that's my fault. Anything good? You uh, see thanks, Prometheus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Prometheus bring fire. Canyons bring Lindsay Lohan ghost nipples. Um. Oh yeah. Here's my lunch thing here. To please make that if you do like um. Like a sale on prints or a T-shirt giveaway, that that will be the promo code. <laughs> I just nipples. keep ghost nipples. I just keep hearing in my head, <laughs> low hand ghost nipples. Oh no, I live at the end of Lindsay Lohan's boobs. <laughs> boobies. Boob. Oh God, boobies. There's the million dollar idea. So I've seen a few things this week. Um, so uh, I saw this movie uh called The Ticket. 
uh, which stars Dan Stevens. Oh, really? My yeah. guy. What's yeah. up? I almost and I perk up. I'm like Dan what? Stevens. Man, man crush. <laughs> He's got a man crush. <laughs> no, so it stars Dan Stevens from The Guest and Legion and Lead of Colossal. And, and the beast and beauty and the beast oh really yeah wow see i didn't see that movie but yeah. he's having a banner year yeah so he plays a blind guy who one day wakes up and can see because this tumor that's been pushing on his optical nerve has made it so now he can see again wow and uh his his wife is played by malin ackerman okay and uh if you guys don't know who malin Ackerman, she's on children's hospital and Final Girls, and she plays the Spectre, the second one in Watchmen. Um, so he, you know, first, you know, he's overjoyed, and you know, uh, Malin Ackerman does a good job of playing ugly in this movie. Oh, really? No makeup, everything. Good for her. Yeah, and it, you know what's going on is like at first he's overjoyed. He's got a kid. He can see him and everything. Um, and he realizes, you know, his life consists of going to dances at a at a community center with other blind people. He has a job at a call center and he just he's deeply dissatisfied with his life now that he can see. So he starts making changes. He starts working out. He starts like buying nicer clothes. And his wife is kind of it's like, isn't what we've had going good enough? You know, she's kind of happy with the life they have. And he just like really dissatisfied and trying to change things and it causes this big schism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, um, leads up to where he starts a program where you know he works for a like a real estate company and he's trying to get people to sell sell their houses cheap just as they're about to go under so they can get the, the mortgages and stuff oh, right so he's kind of it's kind of shady and he's yeah. finding out ways to take advantage of people and all the fa- all the friends and family yet his best friend is another blind guy played by Oliver Platt. He starts using him oh, nice. to get other people who are in bad positions. Like, I was just like you. And, you know, and he starts getting attention from other people. And then as it starts going on, you realize, oh, it, you know, he's, he's getting more and more distance from his family. He's getting closer and closer to this hot girl in the high upper management. It's kind of predictable where this is going. But and at the end, it has like this Twilight Zoney kind of twist to it. But at the same time, it really works because Dan Stevens like one hundred percent goes for it. Like if somebody who wasn't really committed to playing this role and making it seem like a real person, it would have seemed like one of these preachy Christian movies. Uh-huh. That's what I kept thinking. Like <laughs> if somebody, if they'd gotten a shitty actor for this role, it would have been like Kirk Cameron. Yeah, it would have yeah. been like one of those. Like oh god, now they. Now that you've brought me so high and so low, I see. And it doesn't have that kind of... God's Not Dead Part 3. No. Better it, 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 al- it almost verges that way. Right. Because right. it's like it's just an examination of human character, but thankfully it doesn't have like a bow tie ending. Is this film directed by anybody we know? It's directed by this um, a new director, and I think his name is Ida Fu- It's a really weird name. Okay. But it's his first, first film? Yes. Let me look it up, you guys. That's one of the wonders of the internet. Yeah. So, um, so Ticket though, and how did you watch Ticket? It is on VOD. I think it came out in in limited release. Uh, gotcha. So playing it like really yeah, small that's stuff. The poster. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely Dan Stevens. Yeah. It almost sounds like a. It could almost sound like a Family Guy episode. Kind of. I mean, like I said, <laughs> it has this weird like vibe. I do pluck. 
okay. written and directed by this person who's like I guess only done like you know commercial work and stuff. But like it looks a lot like American Beauty. It, mm-hmm. it has really pretty cinematography or not American Beauty, American Honey. Oh, okay. So it's like shot really pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and has it like. You but know, does it have that kind of rough look like American Honey? No, no, Honey? no. Like it has like you know a lot of shots of nature, and you right. see things from his perspective as his yeah. eyesight comes. And I goes. loved American Honey. Yeah, but that it's not like amazing. it's not. It doesn't have the forced uh, four by three right, right that stuff. But it's a really good. It's a really interesting movie. I won't say it's good. I'll okay. say it's interesting. Right, but cool. Dan Stevens is very good. In All it. right. Um, I also saw this movie called We Are X from Draft House Films, and it's about this band called X Japan, who are the founders of this uh, genre in Japan called Visual Key, mm-hmm. which is like heavy metal, like Japanese glam rock. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, what band you're yeah, talking about. yeah. And yeah. then they like talk to a lot of different bands that they've influenced, like Deer and Gray and. Uh, Malice Miser, because this lead singer for Malice Miser got, he was in this movie that came out in 2010 that I really liked called Bunraku, which is like this weird western that that has Woody Harrelson in it. It's, it has like, it looks like Japanese puppet theater for all the sets. Awesome. It's really cool. But um, it, it it's an interesting movie because it tells you kind of their, their rise and, you know, kind of trying to, you know, make it in America, even though they were like super huge in Japan and like how like you know some of their members ended up committing suicide and one of them got sucked into like this cult they must have watched 13 reasons why (laughs) it could be but it's pretty interesting i will say like i had to watch it twice the first time like i kind of zoned out and i had to rewatch it the second time i watched it it was really good but like you know if you're like oh a subtitled kind of documentary and it at, at the beginning i think it kind of verges on that like praising the band too much like an yeah. i am thor kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. but then it becomes more balanced towards the end good yeah because well, i don't it like starts with that and then just kind of goes to a more real place like that's respectable yeah. um but yeah you know those those kind of ones where it's like trying to build up their legend essentially yeah because right? that's that's one of those things bro. I, I like that they like they had like gene simmons on there talking about like you know, if, if this band had started off in America, they might have been one of the biggest bands ever. But the language of rock is English, and wow. that's why nobody knows who they are. Wow. And then he said, and it's interesting. Insightful from Gene Simmons. Yeah, that's right. one of those things, because I was like, wow, because Gene Simmons has this tiny little part, and it. it's like the most real I've ever seen Gene Simmons talk. He's like, I mean, you, and he's like, I mean, speaking for myself, I'm from Israel. When I moved to the United States, you know, I talk like this. I wouldn't have made any money in Kiss if I didn't talk the way I do now. Right. I'm like, holy shit, he just did a Jewish caricature voice of himself. <laughs> oh, man. No one wants to hear a Jew. <laughs> you find out that's actually how he really talks. Right. He covers exactly. it most of the time. Yeah, this is yeah. all just a character. Character within a character. Um, the other thing, I, that was, and that's available on VOD. It also just came out on Blu-ray this Tuesday. Um, I saw this movie called Twenty Four by Thirty Six. Oh, the the art. Movie yeah, there. it's it's a documentary about like movie posters. Oh, okay. um, and st- which ones you need to flip right now? <laughs> you know, here's what I'll say about it. Um, it's not a complete documentary. This is one of those things where you go in there and you kind of have to know a little bit about it else you'll get lost okay and that is to me that's what brings it down a bit because at the beginning they start talking about like bob peak and richard ams and all these big um 
movie poster artist. And then just to say, well, you know, we were talking, and everybody knows Drew's work, and they showed Drew Ruzan for a second, right. and then don't mention him again the rest oh, of the documentary. On. Wow. You've got and to mention Drew. Again, it's like, like you gotta I don't like documentaries that preach to the choir. Right. Like, I want to go into documentaries. Like, talk to me like I don't know anything. Do you think they did that because there was that documentary, Drew? You know, that it, he it had could be, own, but like, at the same time, amazing. you should yeah, at least exactly. say something. Just show a shot. It's like, Drew did. Do, 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 do. Well, it's and like doing a documentary like, on rock and roll without talking about Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Well, they do that a lot because they talk to um, they talk to uh, Daniel Danger, who does a lot mm-hmm. of posters for Mondo, and it just says Mondo artist da, 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 at the bottom, you know. And then there's a thing like it spends a good hour of this talking about Mondo, and then it talks about like Scuzzles and Grey Matter Art and the other people who do these silkscreen posters. And they talked to Tim Doyle and Justin Ishmael for, uh-huh. a, for a second. It's his former Mondo art director, former Mondo art director. And like, and then he spends a lot of time talking to Rob Jones, who runs all of Mondo now. I'm like, so did they, was this a pay for access thing? Like, don't really hype up anything Tim and, uh, and Justin are doing because right. you're getting so much insight into Mondo. The best part of this, I will say, I mean, that's the thing is like Tim Doyle prints, like they never sell out. No, and they it, actually spent a lot right. of time talking about this in the movie, and that's the best thing. Where we're like, this is what made the documentary worth mentioning. Right, is Tim Doyle has this good ten minutes in there. He talks about, you know, I've had change into a truck, the you know the Obama change, yeah, yeah, Optimus yeah. Prime print in print for the last five years. I've sold thousands of them, and people always say, oh, if you stop selling that then you would be more collectible as an artist. I'm like, I'm not trying to be collectible as an artist. Right. I'm trying to make a living. This is what I do to make a living. Now, some other artists can go and do a, uh, you know, Warriors or Thing poster and sell a hundred of them. And the secondary market determines that they're collectible. Right. Well, the secondary market doesn't give me a dime. So yeah. why should I make things for the secondary market? It's a good point. Yeah. And they talk, and then they and counter, still does things yeah, that are and they limited, counterpoint you know? it with the people from Scuzzles talking about that. The other thing that's interesting there is they're talking to uh, Scuzzles and Tim Doyle later on about doing licensed versus unlicensed prints. Where he's like, well, we like working with the rights holders. That way it's more real and it's limited. So it's more important. And then Tim Doyle is like. But at a certain point, there's creative license where if you're doing everybody for the for the rights holders, then at the same time, that's impacting your art negatively. Yeah. And then the documentary seems to be citing against him. But then it keeps talking to other artists where like they uh, it talks to Phantom City Creative and how they did a Night of the Hunter poster and they got a giant packet of legalities after they made the poster. And one of the things was they didn't have Robert Mitchum's likeness. Mm-hmm. So they had to go in after the fact and add shadows over the giant image of Robert Mitchum, which they show you, and like that was a beautiful poster, and then they show you the finished Mondo poster, which I remember seeing. I was like, "What? What's with the giant stupid yeah. shadow?" Yeah. You know. So well, that's, that's lesson number one: always avoid whatever likenesses you can. <laughs> yeah, because that's yeah. actually the number one legal issue yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, where you know, they really want you to side with like our our viewpoint is skeezing very heavily towards Mondo. Yeah. But at the same time, I think Tim Doyle comes off the best in this documentary yeah he's, a, I, he's a great guy yeah i mean he really you know from every you know i've interacted with him yeah. quite a lot and he seems like a really cool guy and you know i i don't know one thing i like look there are limited things he does i mean his blade runner character prints which are like the prize of my collection are limited you can't get those anymore and they're you can't even get the whole set on ebay yeah. if you wanted to but 
when it comes to his change into a truck or it comes to his other Blade Runner prints, like he does multiple editions of them. Yeah. When it comes to his, his Breaking Bad, um, you know, uh, uh, prints that he does, he does a lot of them because he doesn't want it to be a Mondo situation where it's like they once in a blue moon do an open edition, like with the alien thing yeah. they've got going right now. But good luck getting a Tyler Stout without having to pay ridiculous Well, amounts. that's the interesting thing, too, because um, if you think about Mondo, all the iconic Mondo prints that happened were when Tim Doyle ran Mondo. Like all the right. Tyler Stout thing, Tyler right. Stout, Blade Runner. And they didn't have – they did those as gig posters, which yeah. is like you know how we do them in cult classics. Not like we're trying to license yeah, them. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and do this giant thing. It's like, well, do this poster to promote the screening and you can sell X amount of them. And what I think is so sad and, and I don't know, kind of interesting um, – I, I like it as a fan of Nakatomi, which yeah. I mean, let you know, let, let's give him a shout out because mm-hmm. Tim Doyle's website is NakatomiInc.com. Um, but as a fan of Nakatomi, um, you can get pretty much anything you want to there. And it's just so hilarious because at Mondo, stuff will sell out immediately, you know, because mm-hmm. the bots, like people, the flippers are so terrible with Mondo stuff that it's impossible to get something. It sells out the second it goes on. And yet, um, you know, I just had, uh, you know, uh, uh, I just picked up the uh, the Bernie Wrightson cycle of the werewolf yeah. prints. And that thing, I mean, Bernie Wrightson died. This is like the last thing he's ever done. You can still get him on the yeah. Nakatomi site right now. So it just shows that people buy people Mondo are, stuff it, because it's Mondo. Exactly. You know? I mean, that's one of the things I find interesting where like any Mondo print that's come out in the last year or so, if you go to the artist's website, you can buy it right. direct from them as an AP Yeah. versus, oh, you buy it on eBay. And for the most part, I don't like that. And the biggest tell to me is... um. When Justin Ishmael left Mondo, there were a lot of projects he was working on himself that he ended up taking away and doing himself, like uh, the Powerbomb thing where he was oh, doing yeah. wrestler silkscreen prints and t-shirts, which was originally supposed to be a Mondo thing. And that fell flat on its ass because without the Mondo brand to prop it up, they're, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's stupid. It's like swag hunters like, oh, I just want the next Mondo thing. Yeah. Well, but that's I mean, and there's the there's the heart of the matter is, is what is it that you're really interested in? And this is what I call fucking like the supreme people, all the swag that you just hit on the swag thing. It's just like, do you really even care about the art or do you only care about the limited nature? And that's right. what people go well you have a lot of like to me you have a lot of physical stuff and i was like that's what i was raised with yeah you know i i'm been doing this a long time man and and it's um i like physical media i like physical stuff and i love art and yeah. being able to support an artist and help them whatever it is buying a blu-ray or dvd buying a book buying an art print if i can help someone and also obviously help myself but it's not for it to flip or anything like that. Yeah. I and I don't ever sell anything. That's why I'm such a fucking hoarder. But well, a lot I mean, of it, whoever be- you leave your stuff yeah. to, is going to be sitting on a fortune. Because do you think? Okay, all the rare stuff, and I'm sure you could pick out the top of your head yeah. three DVDs or Blu-rays that you own that are incredibly valuable right now. You yeah. know what? Those movies that people digitally downloaded aren't worth crap. Yeah. Well, and that's what it is. But I mean, that's but Victor hit the nail on the head. Is is that? All the APs and stuff. I used to always buy all my stuff off Phantom City every time because I hated the uh, same thing with uh, what's his name? Uh, Ghoulish Gary. I fucking hate the Canadian shipping, but I yeah. buy it because I want that print or I want this. Uh, Jason Edmondston, a few of the other big guys that I really like a lot. It's, um, you know, it's hard, but I haven't bought a Mondo print in, 
I don't even remember. Maybe Rosemary's Baby was one of the last ones I bought, or Phantasm. I mean, it's been. I a- mean, I I hate to say it. I think a lot of it is just I don't like the aesthetic. Well, neither do I. That Especially Jay Shaw and Rob Jones are really into. Yeah, it's agreed. not the, what I'm into. The and, only Mondo thing I bought at all recently was on eBay, and it was the Tyler Stout Attack the Block because Attack the Block's one of my yeah. favorite films. Yeah. But I bought that off of eBay, and that was from back in the day when you know Tim Doyle was running things. Well, I can tell you like what what soured me on Mondo was a was years ago i went to la because they were showing the kill bill complete Mm -hmm. uh con cut and it was for quinn tarantino's birthday right so we went down there and the first screening sold out the second one we got tickets for and apparently during that first screening uh mondo showed up and they had tyler stout do a kill bill print for that screening which they only let a hundred people buy well, how did they, they had more. That? They had more, but they were like, "Nope, the rest are online." So anyone who had the second screening didn't get to buy one. Wow. And how that's did they, they even did select a hundred people? That's what they just did it. Fucking um, uh, the Phantasm screen at Beyond Fest. Yeah, it was only like I got one. I was lucky, and they did put the rest online. But the Phantasm print was only like they they were only not even a hundred. It was like thirty. Wow. 30 people and that's it all was could fucking it. bullshit. And I'm like, and when I got home, I like you know I I, I don't want to collect this shit anymore. And, like, I ended up selling all my Ollie Moss Mondo posters. I'm like, because fuck this. I was at this event, and I can't get a poster for yeah. it. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. But there's a whole culture, like you were saying, yeah. like, flipping everybody. Like, you're right. People are more uh, interested not in the artwork or in the movie or if it's an action figure or anything like that. Because it goes beyond that. It goes into anything that's collectible now. I think people have jumped on the bandwagon of kind of taking advantage of people that are collectors and saying, yeah, we're going to make a shit ton of money off of this. And, you know, like you said, I, I like having things that I know have value, but not because I want the value that, that's in them. Like I constantly am saying, you know, I'll, I'll see something online. Oh, crap, I have this. I'll tell my wife, this thing's worth like 200 bucks now. And she goes, why do you care? You're never going to sell it. I'm like, yeah, damn right, I'm never going to sell it. <laughs> but it's nice to know it's something that's kind of no, sought after, right. and, and I have fine. it, and that's you know? okay. And and but the one thing, I mean, where I've spent a lot of money, and I have to explain this, especially to my folks who are like, where the hell? Because they'll they'll be like, what the hell did you buy now? You know, or whatever. And uh, I uh, I really uh, think that um, you've got uh, people where. It's like the limited nature of stuff is just to the point now I'm spending more money than I've ever spent. Not because I'm buying everything under the sun or I'm buying it to flip. It's just because so many people are making stuff limited because as a business, they want to be able to sell it. That's why you know they also do it because especially those who are startups, they don't want to be sunk. you know. Um, so it's going to be that. And then you've got um, people who are um doing it but i i and i've brought this up on a couple of the podcasts before but what i see with a lot of like physical media is is that both in our age group definitely with millennials i mean more than probably anybody um because i thought we were nostalgia drunk till i ran into <laughs> right. millennials they're like, drunk for our nostalgia exactly I know, but they're which, drunk for their but their own i mean they're, they're the i, I will talk- say that is one of the things that annoys me having to compete with people who like literally just went on wikipedia or youtube <laughs> like oh my god i need an nes classic because i saw this in a right. people react video right yeah right and, well, and then there's like some but no i mean like you know i was like i and if it's important to you great but you, nostalgia has to be offset 
by honesty. Mm. You have to be able to say something is either not as good as it was, or you have to say you have like a grain of salt. But for me, with the collecting thing, what I was going to say is the, what's really changed in the digital world, and you, you talked about Josh, was that you know it isn't worth shit. And there are people who realize that. But what it really is is we're sharing things. And, you know, the difference is, like, what are you going to do? Post a picture online and be like, here's my Netflix queue. No, you're no, not. Yeah. A, no, it's going to be a huge gallery of all the pictures you got. And yeah. I got to admit, we're well, all like that to at least some degree. And I just want to drive this really home, though. But what it is is, is it's positive understanding but it also has the most far-reaching negative effect is the idea that it's the worst kind of um uh proletariat versus the bourgeoisie kind of the we're the bourgeoisie now it's like we are going to have stuff that you plebeians you peasants <laughs> can't have because now what it is 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 that well stuff, i want to touch on yeah, that in a minute no but. please do like you, uh, certainly all you guys jump in but i mean i really realize that more and more it's just that I have this, let me gloat, let me show it to you, um, let me soak up your tears, you know, and, and then I can, you know, and that, and that's what it is. It's, it's such a, a mean spirited thing that, that it's kind of like where Victor, where you were saying like, fuck this, that's where that's my moment is like, yeah. fuck you and fuck this, because that is such a horrible, horrendous attitude to have. I would rather give something to somebody if they really wanted it that bad. Than, than to hold on to it and ever feel like I was, you know, I can't give everything away, not only for the investment I've made, but I have given stuff to people because I know they really would yeah. enjoy it more than me and not so I'm just paying it forward, but because if we get so much more entrenched in this supreme culture bullshit, which I hate, it's like fucking, uh, what do you call them? People are into fucking shoes kicks like i, I did all... just see it yeah that was you the see next those thing aliens on... shoes oh, yeah i posted about yeah. that but those are pretty my next thing on my list and not because was i'm against sneaker I'm, I'm not, right. yeah and i'm not Netflix. against that at all if that's what you enjoy more power to you i'm not at all this is not knocking any of that i have a lot of friends that are into that stuff um so and all the like the vinyl toys i mean there's tons of stuff Ooh, out there oh, don't even get me started yeah. on that but, <laughs> but i do but, you think know i mean there's a lot yeah, of cultures yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know what whatever makes you happy but let it make you happy right right well look i think jasper wanted to say something oh, a sorry, minute buddy. ago Go ahead, buddy. oh no it's kind of past now i was just going to say that i went through this when you were talking about the you know what are you going to do show everybody your your netflix whatever <laughs> yeah i went through this a few years ago where i was like you know what and i owned like three or four hundred cds and i was like i'm done with cds they take up too much room i'm just gonna have everything digital then i can take it anywhere i go i don't have to have this big book of cds and uh i sold a bunch of my cds i gave a bunch of them away to my kids and uh you know i got rid of probably half of the cds we had well what are my wife and i doing now we're hitting the thrift shop every weekend and we're buying CDs because yeah. we've decided yeah. I like having my music right here where I can hold it in my hand. You know what the upside of that, have... though, is that is that you're probably getting them for so cheap that you didn't really lose money. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, I've still got 20,000 songs on my iTunes. Right. But it's nice to have that, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, it, and it... what changed my mind was my computer crashed and my iTunes went away and I couldn't recover it. I lost everything I had to yeah. start over. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, fuck this. Well, here, here's one of those things that to me is really interesting. Like a few years ago, VHS was like super, like became oh, this hipster God. thing, right? Oh, yeah. We're like, oh my God, your, your, your $2 VHS is now worth 50 
bucks or something and they did all these documentaries about vhs collecting yeah, so culture and everything it's clickbait and, yeah and it bottomed out like i would say about a year or so ago yeah and now oh now i'm able to get all these like vhs tapes from all these people who are building their hipster collection for like a dollar or two again yeah, like awesome. thank god it's that's great. all i wanted because i chose the right time to get into vhs exactly which is you did reason. And it's it's funny to me because I was me and Kirby went to Son of Monster Palooza uh, like last year, and there was a guy who had this giant wall of like all these VHS, and he was at Monster Palooza a couple weeks ago, and he had another giant wall, and he hadn't raised all of his prices at all except for Shockwaves, which he upped to like fifteen bucks, right? Yeah. And I was like, he had Night of the Demons one and Night of the Demons two. I'm like, oh shit, Ooh, I need nice. to come back and get those. Nice. I didn't. Because I was like, well, nobody's really probably going to get those. But that's the thing. Because everything was like five bucks. Yeah. I came back at the end and he'd gotten cleaned out. And I was talking to him. And it's like, well, it's it's not so much people buying. It's like people like, oh, I really like this movie. I want to put it on my desk next to my toy. Sure. And I'm like, oh, mm. how is that so much different for me? Because you guys can't see our studio. But I have a lot of extra copies of VHS movies I like. And I have them right next to yep. the character. And I'm like, well, right. shit. But I actually watch them. But it's just interesting to me that, like, you know, it's gone back to the point. It's like, it's just a tchotchke. It's mm-hmm. just a tchotch- a cheap tchotchke. It's not like uh, some guy who spent, oh, I bought this for uh, 500 bucks, Tales from the Quadded Zone, zone just, just so I can oh lick God. it and say I own it, you know? Right. It, it, we're all the comic book guy yeah. in the end. We and we're we're, we're that, doing like... a small pivot right now because we'll do our underscene as the next episode. And right now we're just pivoting because I think this is an interesting conversation. Yeah, Because we are, we are... One of the things that we are doing is uh, our our little network here. We are going to be doing a podcast about collectibles. Woo-hoo. Oh yeah, and yeah. Nice. So this this will give you a small taste of where we're going with that because all of us collect things. If oh you, yeah. If you look at, I mean, I've been to Josh's house. I've been to Jazz. You know, everybody's been to mine. I've seen glimpses of Kirby's place. <laughs> but I'm deeply ashamed of how much I, I. I literally, I um, you know, actually, what I need to buy. It's funny you bring up the twenty-four by thirty-six. Do you know what I need is a fucking flat file. Oh, right. That's where I've hit. Yeah. Every wow. other person in that movie has a flat file. Yeah, they don't even display them. It's like, well, no, no, no. <laughs> I just can't afford frames, so yeah. I've literally yeah. hit a point, and I'm tired of the tube graveyard. Yeah. I'm yeah. absolutely because I, just... I don't use frames. I just use the uh, the the you know those 3M strips that they don't damage the posters yeah. at all. They don't damage the wall. And as much as I'd like frames, like I am waiting to get my Tyler Stout framed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I tried to frame everything, like. Like, I would never have any money. Well, you know what? My, actually, my solution is going to be is the uh, top loader soon. Oh, I, yeah. I may have to do that because I'm just so tired. Like, of, well, Plus, you run out of wall space. Eventually. Yeah, well, that too. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always known, like, Adam I know, was I'm good rotating on rotating. Yeah, because yeah. I, have a, I got a new Suspiria 27 by 40 poster. And before I had a theatrical Logan poster. And I'm like, well, I'm right. just going to rotate. Yeah, yeah, smart idea. Um, but I do just want to touch on that because I mean, I do. This is a great conversation about that whole kind of collecting thing. Um, but what you said, Jasper, which was that um, they they're taking advantage of people, yes. and and I definitely think that that's one hundred percent true. And that really, really does bother me in terms of 
Um, you know, one thing I thought about, because, uh, like, I don't know, last episode, Kirby, you brought up Shadowrun. Okay, well, I'm, I'm a big tabletop gamer still. Yeah. Um, I actually have an active game of Earth Dawn going, which is the fantasy setting game that Fossa did after Shadowrun. Um, and um, so the uh, the thing is, is it's funny. So I'm really into Earth Dawn, right? Earth Dawn came out in 1992, first edition. Now, they had a second and a third edition, but that was the game that I originally played. So when we got back into it, you know, I wanted to collect all my books again, right? I go on eBay. Those books, I can get. I got all of them, literally every single Earth Dawn book, and this is something like twenty books for about a hundred and twenty bucks. Wow. I went into the game store because we wanted to buy a play mat, you know, with the the hexes or the squares yeah. on it. Um, and they've got the newest edition of D and D for the main book is fifty dollars. The Dungeon Master's book. $50, okay? Um, I've got a buddy who plays one of these little miniatures games, and it's like it's like $50 for like four figures. And what they've done, it was never that expensive yeah, before. Yeah, it's a bar no, entry. No, Warhammer was. Games Workshop, okay. you, might as, well, you might as well go well, no, and get into Warhammer heroin 40, instead. When they did that for, and for, uh, for Heroclix, that was really cheap to get into. Well, no, but Heroclix and Horrorclix and, and Monster Apocalypse yeah, and a lot of the, the um, clicks games and stuff. But actual, the well, when I was a kid, <laughs> good old-fashioned lead. Um, and then they had same with Ral Partha ones, um, right? Which was the other big oh, manager, yeah, Ral Partha. Pewter. Yeah, for anybody Pewter. who wants to get a little glimpse of the window of collecting lead figurines for <laughs> war games, you should watch the Dabney Coleman movie Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Oh, that's a classic too. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I mean, like war gaming. You know, you're talking about, I mean, post besides reenacting actual, um, you know, world forces and through history. But I mean, like, in Warhammer, Warhammer 40k, like, I think I mentioned on last podcast, you'd only get one, like, I, I would get, like, one miniature. My brother is one of the top painters in on the West Coast, and, you know, he is a, you know, um, has been doing this for, you know, he's probably put in over $50,000 probably into wargaming over his time. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm just estimating. Right. He'd probably be like, oh, you undersold that. I I have no <laughs> idea. But, I mean... But I just mean like in. But you're right. But going that is the a outlier. Game store, but going to a game store and stuff. If you want it, I mean, well, because board games are so huge now. Because yeah. that's what I'm mainly into is board gaming. You know, you've hit a point where most of them are between fifty and a hundred dollars. This isn't right. some ten dollar. Here's your fucking game of Connect Four. Right. But and that's well, even that, in that. Try building a decent Magic deck. Yeah. Oh, oh God, about Magic. It. I yeah. Magic. I quit in the '90s because it was it was well, even after to, fourth edition. It was just. You know, but that's what I mean. It, this is the rabbit hole we're kind of going back to to circle well, just, back. Just to t- yeah, is just to say real quick is is that whatever you're talking about in the end, all of it is is that people have it. I feel a lot of people ourselves and everybody is an innate desire to collect to to uh, you know consume to enjoy. But a big part of it is is that you know it, it's a rabbit hole that you end up going down. Because well, and people it's like, are preying on that, and that's the issue that yeah, I take yeah. because now with when you have three D printing, okay, and things are so easy to produce, rather than creating a product that's reasonably priced for people, what you have these people doing is small groups of people three D printing a bunch of figures, making a rules book, getting it nicely done and everything, and charging hundreds of dollars for it. Yeah. I mean, these uh, I, I watched that document. Documentary. I, don't, I can't remember what it's called, but it was about that guy who like GMs and um, he does Kickstarters for little houses for oh, wow. for games. Oh, I saw um, that one actually. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. one was actually really like, good. But the guys, I mean, he's made millions of dollars off of making.
making these little houses. And the reason isn't just because they're super popular, which they are, but it's because you're paying $300 for like this little house that he makes. And he's just put doing these things on a 3D printer. And so my point is, is that when it comes to these posters, when it comes to all these things, is that you have these people taking advantage of people's want to collect yeah. people's geekiness and things well, like that. Well, especially like you said, it, the, the barrier to making things is very low. Right. I mean, like um even now like we do buttons like and for monster clusa we did like little vhs backers and we did like like those buttons like horror or be kind rewind right and i thought it looked cool but it should only be like five bucks and we blew through those totally because i don't want to charge like 10 bucks like remember this you can rebuy your childhood for that yeah versus other people there who were selling like 3d printed little arcade cabinets themed around horror movies right that i could tell only cost like a few bucks to make 50 bucks right you wow. know or, or it's, it's even, insulting yeah you know? and it's, to me it's even like even more bizarre when it gets to like action figures because it's like um neca's been doing these ultimate action figures which are awesome because the boxes look like big box vhs's with the actual poster beautifully displayed here in the studio right, right? <laughs> The, the that leather face one which i got uh kirby for christmas one year and yeah, i got one for one. myself um you know it's a mainstream figure uh it went out of print like a month after it came out go on ebay and try to find one under a hundred dollars right something that's a mainstream collectible should not be going for like five times its value less than a month after it comes out if it's not a limited edition thing well and it sucks when you run into that at the store and you're sitting there looking at it going man can i come back for this or is it going to be totally yeah. sold out that's everywhere what i was trying week? to just get don't on. know and yeah. i'm not going to be able to get one i don't want to spend the 24 bucks on it now but am i going to put it off and spend 60 dollars on it later yeah I missed out. and just to put put into this isn't a relationship that's happening just you know out of the blue I'll point out to the fact that um, the other day, uh, if you go on my Instagram or um, the oh, at want that Moreno, thing, dude. I have this, uh, you know, giant, this, like, it's in scale with my Robocop figure, Ed 209. And it's super detailed. It's movie accurate. I was watching a thing with Phil Don't Tippett. come or anything, no, Josh. No, no, no. Like, Jesus, so he's looking up. Yeah, but Phil, Phil like, Tippett was saying, one of, the reasons, of one of the reasons that RoboCop 2, the figure, the character in the movie RoboCop 2 is so complicated is because Phil Tippett was saying in a video I was watching uh, that it's such a clean design that less than a month after it came out, all these uh, people, kit bashers, had made perfect replicas of it. So he wanted to design something in RoboCop 2 that was so right. hard to make that there would be no bottom line. There's a company called Chronicle, I think Chronicle Collectibles, that's doing that did a uh, RoboCop 2 cane figure based uh -huh. on the actual maquette, and it costs like twelve hundred dollars. Oh, it has two hundred and seventy-five individual machine wow. parts. Wow. Um, and looking at him, does it have like a holographic cane face too? No, but it, 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 it had all so the. Cool. It showed it. It has four arms, and it even has all the um, like wires that run oil through right. it and everything. And I'm like, oh my god! And like, the thing opens up so you can put nuke yeah, inside. Yeah, totally. But it's like, it's got to have a nuke hole. Yeah, the whole thing with this Ed 209. If you look in the corner here, you'll see the box for it. If I flip that upside down, you know what it says? NECA in conjunction with Mondo. Really? Yeah, because Jason Edmonston did all the box art for this. Wow. So it's a NECA slash Mondo So I bet product. that thing's really hard to yes. get now, huh? 
you know so and he's been doing a lot he's doing all the Mego style figures for NECA and a bunch of other the box art and stuff yeah he's been cleaning up on that yeah, I, I want, thought you were I gonna say it. you're gonna flip it over and see <laughs> what number it's out of, which <laughs> is another cultural thing, yeah, by the way. The right there. Yeah, yeah, that and Jason's signature, which yeah. I do find funny too. When you talk about people really, when you do scraping that for no love of it, is the people who are going, I have number nine out of five hundred. Yeah, yeah. And so you only have number two hundred out of five hundred. Kill yourself. Like, right. that's literally the attitude I've seen some people display. I'm like, that, fuck them. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, and look, I don't like people that, let's say, buy a bunch of Mondo prints using bots um, and then flip them immediately. That that kind of thing drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes you can't blame people for making a buck. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've got a buddy who goes to Comic-Con, SDCC, every year and i don't know if you're, are you familiar with what lego does uh, no, for SDCC? LEGO so do? what lego does is at the lego booth um every day of comic-con all four days they have an exclusive figure a minifigure that you can only get there ever and they will never recreate it because it's wow. lego and they're pretty clear about that kind of thing so for example um they got the the collector from guardians of the galaxy He's not in any of the sets. The only way to get a collector minifig is through this thing. And it has its own little backing box and it's, a, you know, its own little blister pack. Um, and then they have, uh, you know, for example, they'll have black suit Spider-Man and they never release it in anything else. So the way it works is that you go through this line and you get a ticket. And oh, basically yeah. what he does when he goes there is he spends three hours out of every single day going, waiting in line, getting these little minifigures for free. They're yeah. free, literally free, because you just, it's a drawing. And if you go through this line enough times, you're going to get one. No, that um, happened to me before. When they, and uh, yeah. they sell consistently $500 each for a free minifigure. So he does this every single day. He comes away making $2,000. He basically pays for his entire yeah. Comic-Con. With a gig like that, I mean, with a grift that strong, like, I mean, how can you not I, do it? I'm not going to even lie for, you know, when I was younger, one of the things I used to do for a living was flip shit like that. I would go to, like, Wizard World Con, the very first thing I would do, because there's a whole system to it. You got your little badge, and you'd go to the Wizards booth, and they would stamp your uh, badge, and you could, and with a little thing, and that day, and they punch a hole in it. And you could get in line, and you could be, show your badge. You could buy one with it. So what I would do is uh, buy the LA Convention Center that was at Kinko's. So I'd buy my badge because Wizard World didn't put holograph stuff on there, and I would like copy a hundred badges, and right. I would get in line over and over until I got go. drawn, and <laughs> they would go. punch a hole. And then based on that That's drawing, hustle, I would get in line, and I could buy like twenty or thirty of whatever the Hero Clicks exclusive was, where it was like Bing Bang Boom or right. Dark Phoenix or whatever. And that's how I would pay my bills. Yep. You know? And, like, it was stupid. It got to the point where, like, I would get in front of the line and, and then, like, I'd buy, like, I need, like, ten Dark Phoenixes. I'd step out of line and the people from ToyWiz.com would be like, I'll buy all, I'll buy all ten of those Dark <laughs> Phoenixes for, like, $3,000. Right. Sold. Yeah. Easy money. <laughs> yeah. Easy and and money. I, you can't blame people. You, number one, you can never blame anybody for making a profit. There's absolutely, I you know, I'm a capitalist. I have no issue with people making money. And and if you're gonna flip it and stuff, you know it is supply and demand. That's not the issue. It's it's, it's 
how the companies enable right. yeah. the Agreed. absolutely exactly. predatory, despicable behavior that Because at some point, they should have been able to catch on, like, Jesus, you bought a hundred, you, know, tw- you yeah. must have a right. whole family here or something. Yes, correct. You know, with the NES Classic, I, I got up this week, and I literally woke up at 3.15 in the morning. I got in line at 4 in the morning. We were the only people there, middle of the night. No one even showed up until 5, and that was one guy, and then somebody else showed up at 6. But hey, whatever. We pulled out some chairs. We waited in damn line. We did did that stuff and you know what they're limited to one per person okay yeah, and that's how I, it was when i got right, my, i had my buddy or, come with yeah. me we got two i kept one i flipped the other one literally the moment i walked out there was an old you know like this you know woman standing there she's like hey i'll, I'll pay you 200 bucks for that right now and it's like well we'll do it for 220 you know so <laughs> uh, you know so so but hey that's fine so right i mean you know that's okay but you know what i worked for that i worked for yeah. that money i got in line i didn't want to wake up at 3 15 in the morning and go wait in line but i know if i if i had no that because i didn't see these tweets about the last day i would have gone in line to get one for mm-hmm. my office because right. we have one in the living room right yeah and and you know what i just you know what real the difference me, is though you got up out of bed and you went down and did right it. i didn't you just didn't sit at a computer a with a program exactly. right exactly that's where my problem me is too when well, yeah, that used absolutely. to be the old school way and i would say i wouldn't even own 90 percent of what i own right now if there wasn't an online marketplace if i just was buying stuff in the wild Right, I would own maybe ten percent of my whole collection. Yeah. I mean, and not because I do. I love the thrill of the hunt. I love finding stuff. I know Victor just found a Hannibal Lecter figure. You know, he had wanted. You know, just happened to find it on Record Store Day at, at Zia. You know, and, and I find stuff oh, at and Zia just, all the time. And it I'm not just saying went that way up in value, value. two days ago. <laughs> that yeah, just tells you that. how uh, shitty people yeah. are. Yeah, well, it's like autographs and stuff. Obviously, uh, what was it? Bill Paxton. Yeah, he signed. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you could buy a PSA 8x10 or something of him and Aliens or whatever, you know, which is what most people want, but there was Upper Deck did an Alien set and a train card, non-sports set, and they he signed, you know, whatever is 50, 75 cards. Those went from being like a valuable card, 75, 100 bucks. I mean, they were going for like over two, three hundred dollars wow. If you had one of the dual autos, you know, it went like with especially with Sigourney Weaver. I mean, then you were like, you know, in the five hundred to thousand dollars stress here now. And then there's people like, and and there's, I mean, I think it's great. Like people find stuff. Like you know, um, I'm actually I, about four or five years ago, I got back into non-sport cards, Garth Bell Kids number one, but a lot of like horror sets and just oddities and stuff. And I found out one of the most interesting ones, like uh, you know, things you don't think about is I found out um. There was like a non-sports set, like figures from history or whatever, and it turns out that um, somebody had a cut signature of Nelson Mandela, and it oh, turns wow. out that um, wow. Nelson Mandela never signed anything. So um, <laughs> when he died, that signature was worth like twenty-five thousand dollars, and the guy God. paid like uh, uh, me like. Five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for the case. Well, it's, they got it's in. bizarre, yeah. The cut signatures because I've been to like Las Vegas and stuff, and they have all these like collectible places that sell the giant frame posters, and they'll have the signature at the bottom because they like cut it out of right. a check or something. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, for especially some of the people who are long, long dead. Like I almost bought one from Vincent Price years ago. I mean, that's I've my seen number one. Some person terrible, I never terrible ones. I remember I was at. They have the shops at uh, the Coliseum at Little at um caesar's palace and they had one for robert e lee i swear to god had the fucking clan logo on it wow but did it have (laughs) yeah the historical thing and it had like the 
you know, it had the Confederate, and then it had like that weird cross and clans people. Were. I'm like, but, they know who their market but is. But did they have the Freddy versus Jason Ulysses S. Grant on the other side with his cut signature? Because <laughs> oh, that's the only way I'm going to buy it. I ne- I need the the showdown. <laughs> but that is a more well, historical collectors. One of the sets they did years ago was called uh uh God, I can't remember the company. But they had a cut signature of Adolf Hitler, and wow. it's worth six thousand, seven thousand dollars. And so is um, there was another one that like that was like, but like uh, Ulysses S. Grant, like Civil War people. Again, I mean, there's there's never not going to be a collector's market for something, and in something like that, because it's so old or so rare, you know. And that's what Joshua hit on was is that it's and, and you did too. Well, we all kind of did, but it's just like look, you can make more. Yeah, you yeah. can make more easily. And well, that's yeah, I the don't real like the rub. artificial. I mean, considering now, like Mondo is beyond mainstream. They sell Mondo fucking Blu-rays at Target. Oh, and sure. Best Buy. Yeah, but you t- super and, mainstream. But yeah, most of their releases are like you know vinyl soundtracks limited to like two hundred copies or posters. Oh, three hundred. That's stupid, you yeah. know. And the only reason they linger is because. I don't necessarily want this ultra minimalist we buy your kids artsy style. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, worst. yeah, yeah God, it's, we buy your, your kids, kids is terrible. It's anything. terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. I'm so glad. I, I'm not agree. sorry because they are yeah. just. It is the yes. worst art. I've Give me a break. Art well, in especially. I mean, yes. we have a, you know uh, Jasper's a designer. Quotes. You want <laughs> you know when you look at poster art, you want stuff that looks like something cool. You don't want oh, yeah, something absolutely. that just has like the motif of something and yeah. it's all artsy so wait, jasper I... do you do you do you design the shirts no no he just designed, so you he designs shirts for free oh okay gotcha okay gotcha yeah. victor designs them i just color separate okay them awesome and i should have mentioned um because i already pointed out to victor since you guys are such huge colossal fans you can get the <laughs> colossal statues but i told victor i said right. that's actually one of the better deals i've ever seen mondo do They'll give you a signed Blu-ray by the director if you buy the statue. Wow. I was kind of shocked. Away at this but point. I was kind of shocked because it's usually like, um, what was the one they did, the Alfred Hitchcock figure? It's like, you get an extra bird if you buy, <laughs> yeah. if you buy our version. Well, I found I, that I'll one amazing. Too, Exclusive bird. I'll say, too, even the toys they were doing like two years ago were better than the stuff they're doing. Now, like the yeah. Iron Giant. Yeah. And the, the Iron Ray, Giant was really And well the Kevin Eastman Turtles. Yeah. Like, that stuff was cool versus like a maquette from this movie and that. yeah or they, i don't they know did who the ramona odd... flowers one right yeah yeah well it, it's just weird because i feel like their business model is moving in reverse like they want to be gallery 1988 mm. or one of these like you know boutique things sure. versus they started out being way too mean mainstream for yeah, their own yeah. good which i had a bad experience actually recently with it one i've never dealt with was um i just had one with hero complex gallery yeah um, they're and, also in that document and i um i bought the monster squad print and now this is the 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 rub for me was is that they invoiced me for it they um it wasn't i didn't buy it off the site i they invoiced me and then they emailed me a week later and go we don't have it so we're refunding you. Oh, and I'm sitting here going, no, if you worst. invoice me, there's a difference between saying, I mean, it's bad enough to buy something off a site and then say, oh, we don't actually have it. But you invoice me and then you tell me you don't have it. You could have looked up your inventory or stocking at the time. Right. I don't care if you yeah. have to hand look for it. 
Like I'm, I'm sorry. Like I have no issue calling them out. Like I mean, it takes me off I, enough when I have something in my cart and then it sells yeah. out. But that yeah, would just be. Oh but it's God. just one of those ones where I um, it, uh, yeah, I had I had a weird week of calling out shit. Um, <laughs> my buddy Joe Simcoe, somebody copied his um serial killers art. Uh, the train card say he did for this um fucking one of those tea goblin sites. Uh, what? And a like, t-shirt of the day site ripping off. <laughs> I know. You don't I know. Say. It's amazing. I don't want to throw it, it out. So. I know. It's 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 an absolutely incredible. But it was even more amazing. I mean, it was literally almost everything. It's not like, but I put in my um thing on Instagram was I was like, man, someone's got a case of Amy Schumer's parallel thinking going on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I love it when they do it, but they do it badly. Like um, there's uh, are you familiar with uh, Brian Meth? Are you familiar uh, with no. him? So he's uh you know he's another artist. I actually bought a an Arcade Fire print from him once, and we became Facebook friends or whatever. But he he does a lot of gig posters and stuff. Yeah, he does some pop culture stuff. He did this one that was um that was he called it a uh, dude of thrones and it was the dude sitting on a throne but instead of swords it was a bunch of bowling pins i've actually seen that one yeah yeah That's so awesome. so he did that one um and then i saw on one of these t-shirt things it was like almost the exact same yep. thing like they just changed the coloring a little bit oh my God. and they called it game of dudes um and i let him know about that and he was like oh thanks for letting me know I'll contact my lawyer but yeah it's like when they slightly try and change yeah, it my my i had one of these experiences has happened to me actually and it was really bizarre um you know a few years ago we showed blade runner right yeah so the print i did was the scene with the owl and uh-huh. the red eye eyeball right yeah. and i thought it was a cool idea i'm like oh yeah because that's an iconic shot from the movie like a couple days later i started getting all these like weird emails and there's like a uk poster artist whose name is god machine mm-hmm. and i guess he had done a blade runner poster that was the owl no way yeah so uh, I mean, it, it's Tim a Doyle shot also from has the movie, one, yeah, yeah. You know, and then he sent me this like angry email, like, "How dare you copy the owl I did?" And then like, I and, like I didn't copy anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Two days later, he sends me another email. It's like, you know what? I I don't know what I was thinking because that's an iconic shot from the movie, right? You know, and then he responds with, "But I checked out a lot of what you were doing. I some of your posts was really cool. If you're looking for somebody to do gigs, gig posters for your screenings, <laughs> just let me know." And right. I'm like yeah fuck you because <laughs> he had gone on his facebook and be like hey if you want a shitty ripoff version of uh, my blade runner print i'm like yes wow, because you dick. own ridley scott's imagery fuck mm-hmm. you well and that's the thing i didn't mean to make that in other news water is wet yeah. kind of statement what i'm trying to say <laughs> is is that the one that joe did he made uh his own company because tops wasn't going to back him so he made a company called wax eye he started making trading card sets, and one was his serial killer's idea, like literally children of the cornflakes and stuff. It's like a wacky packages, but it's fun. But one of the ones he did was Chucky Charms, you know, and they're, they're magically one. malicious. And this motherfucker, literally the tagline, everything. Well, yeah, that's clear rip. I mean, it is such a ripoff. And I'm like, but Joe is such an, un- he's not an unknown artist, but that, that set wasn't big. So it's like, because there's a difference, like I said, the it, but I mean, like when you get down to those, like the like you said, the minutia, like the bowling pin Iron Throne, right. it's like fuck you, yeah. yeah, 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 and fuck you, Victor, for ripping off, man, so many artists, <laughs> Jesus. Well, wasn't just, there another one too that you got somebody yelled at you for? No, I, I think that was it. Oh, I thought there was another one you no. told me once, and I'm like, man, God, you're not the king of like, owls, man. You don't right. own owls. I see owls on so much shit. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. Well, to wrap this kind of up, let's. I have an idea. Like, 
you know, why don't we go around and say what's what's one cool collectible thing, and not that you value a lot, not so much that it's worth a lot of money. It can be, but what's your favorite <laughs> like collectible thing you have? Oh God, uh, favorite. Um, I mean, I would say probably you know because I already said this this episode it was the jewel of my collection. I mean, since we talked about Tim Doyle, it's that um Tim Doyle released a series of Blade Runner character prints. Mm-hmm. um that i mean they're an unusual size they're like a rectangular and tall um but they're they're fairly big um but what he did was he released them kind of one at a time and they were free prints like you didn't have to pay for them but if you ordered any nakatomi print you would get one of these for free or sometimes he does tube sales for like 50 bucks where you get five prints and then he one of those prints would be one of those and so it was over the course of two years that he released oh, these. Wow. Um, and I, you know, it was like something that I had to collect and, and when everything was said and done, I think there's, there's, uh, 12 of them, um, maybe even more than 12, but I think it's 12 and I got all 12 of them and I only got into them after the first two were already done, which was, uh, one of them was Roy Batty. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Roy Batty one is the one that I had to pay the most for. I paid like a hundred dollars for it on Mm -hmm. eBay, but all the other ones I got legit. And now I've got all of them, and if I put them all together, they, like, cover almost an entire wall, and they just, they're all the same artist, they're all the same color, it's my favorite movie, and it's all these different characters. So, I mean, that's kind of a cheat, because it's 12 different prints, but they're all from the same run, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be mine. Dude, I I own so much shit, I don't even know what the (laughs) hell it is. And that's not a braggart thing, it's literally, at this point in time, (laughs) I don't even know what i own anymore that like i can even say the one thing i can say is i have a literal display case of lovecraftian items that i'm pretty proud i own almost the entire collection of sideshow the cthulhu's the actually i own them all the cthulhu's nile of Thultep, um dagon i i own pretty much all those um i i love lovecraftian is one of my top things obviously as we talked about last week on the podcast um I was lucky to get quite a few. I don't have anywhere near like some of the people, but I have a lot of the '80s video store promos that I love a lot. Oh, nice. Um, speaking of Mondo or Phantom City, my favorite. I own the Burning Print, which is my all-time. I have a huge Cropsey collection. Um, but there's, you know, I, I, I really, I don't know stuff. I mean, for me, stuff that's been personalized. Obviously, like meeting actors, like having photos or print or stuff signed to me, especially if we had like a good conversation or interaction. Anything I have a good memory with, um, you know, those are my kind of collectibles. Um, or I found it for like nothing. Like there, that's what it's not like the thrill yeah. of the hunt. It's too hard, but um, you know, a, a lot of great stuff. I mean, that I I've come to love over the years. Um, you know, like I said, I I'd have to look through it all. It's really hard, but I mean, I would say any of those kinds of items. A lot of the Blu-rays, DVDs I've got, a lot of the figures and statues and stuff. All this stuff I love. Um, uh yeah it's it's really hard mask oh that's what i'll say that's my number one collectible there i will say it is the first mask i ever bought i i love masks and uh props and stuff is my favorite artist mask maker is a guy named daryl vidari um he's known as vxxfx mm-hmm. he's completely retired from the business but if you look up vxxfx mass um he did all ec pre-code with mass um that's where his heart was he did one of um, Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror, the zombies. The EC is EC. It was EC Zombie right. 2. First mask I ever bought. It goes for God knows how much now. I was so lucky I got one. It's the first mask I ever bought. 
that is one of my all-time favorite pieces because to get that, I mean, it was so beautiful. It's the most lifelike mask I've ever seen. That's probably like the house is burning down. That's my fucking <laughs> that's first. That's grab. probably the first thing I'm going to grab. I'll be totally honest, especially because he's been in failing health and quit making masks. Um, besides little offshoots and little tchotchke stuff, um, just one of the most genuinely great people in this world. He's a really good friend of Bob Burns, and um, you know, was from that school, like the Ackerman School. Great dude. Um, I don't know if any of his fans or any people who listen to us listen to, him, but um, yeah, Daryl, you're the king, man. D, like you're just the best, and so I don't know. Jasp. Um, I got a couple. They're both Batman related. I uh, I did a lot of non-sports card collecting in the 90s, and uh, I've got lots and lots of uh, binders with the little sleeves in them with, uh, you know, some we've been talking about maybe getting back into again. Oh, nice. Um, Which, by the way, I will bring you all those Buffy cards. Oh, yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Just because, you know, it's fun to, to buy a box of cards and open every package and go through every one of them and, you know, put them all together well. I bought a I bought a box of Batman trading cards um, in the '90s, and they came with a Skydisc card, which was basically a hol. It was like one of the first hologram cards, mm-hmm. but it just said Batman on it, and it had a round hologram. And if you hold it into the light, it's a complete 360 view of Batman, like you're looking down. Oh, that's cool! From like cool. a skylight, it's really cool. That's awesome. And it was like one in every like 236 packs. So I took the chance that even though I bought the whole box, I wouldn't get one. And it was in like the second to the last one that I bought. And that was the first time I ever got something. I mean, I've been collecting shit since high school, but that's the first time I ever grabbed something that was deemed like rare. And I was like all excited. I still have it in this big, like half inch thick plastic card case. Nice, (laughs) Get that thing graded. Exactly. Like uh, the other one though is I've been really getting into the, uh, the build-a-figure thing that's been going on with uh, action figures. But the first one that I did was uh, when the Dark Knight came out, they had a set of the action figures from the movie, and if you got the right ones, you could build the Bat-Signal. And oh, I think nice. Victor, Victor's got one. Yeah, it's right there. Nice. Yep. Yeah, it's and cool. it's fully functional. It lights up. It's fully functional. It's got cool. a battery. Yeah. Does it actually shine a bat signal? Yeah, it actually signs a bat signal. That's like the best build a figure ever. It's like the only build a figure I've ever done. Yeah, it's really cool. It is really cool. Um, but yeah, that's probably my second. And I don't even know that they're my favorites. So those are just the ones that stand out in my head. Probably because they were first. Like, that was the first thing I bought a lot of figures just to put stuff together. And it's funny, you notice if you get into that. They always put like the most important elements with the figure they think nobody's gonna buy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I had to like the Alfred action figure is the one that came with the actual lens, I think. Yeah. For the bats. Yeah, yeah. You know. And then but even beyond that, there was a uh a Commissioner Gordon that was a variant that came with the broken I have that lens. too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but good luck finding that for anything reasonable. Because it was a Walmart know? exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's probably, you know nice. I mm-hmm. like that the bat disc one because that reminds me of the first time I ever got a prism card right in 1992. Yeah, first it was uh the Hildebrandt brothers had a yeah. trading card set. Oh, I yeah. love their art, God, and I got so um, such a great set. Dracula, I always remember was the yeah. prism oh, card I got, cool. and I felt so lucky, and I still have it in its original case too. Nice. I've got the whole Hildebrandt uh, Marvel set. Yeah, that was yeah. one of my. I mean, oh, Hildebrandt's so awesome. are incredible. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, know, I guess for me, like, because I have so much stuff, it's it's just, like, stuff that, like, I've waited years to get, like, on my shelf. I have this, uh, it, there's this company called Into Toys in the late 90s, and they made these big trouble in Little China action figures. And at the time, like, I was like, oh, those are pretty cool. I wish they were more articulated. I'm sure if I wait a couple years, like, McFarlane will do one. Mind you, this was, like, <laughs> 1997. Right. The the closest thing we've gone to new Big Trouble Little China has been like, uh, re the reaction, uh, Big sure. Trouble Little China figures and the Funko Pops. Well, guess uh, what, guys? The Funko Pop Jack Burton was retired, so now it goes for anywhere to eighty to a hundred dollars. Wow! I mean, why would you want a Funko Pop anyway? Yeah, but I got Jack Burton, and it, it was funny because it was our friends at Toy Anxiety. One of the owners had gotten uh tired of just having them in boxes we posted it and i was in tucson at the time so like he had listed literally as soon as he listed it, it was like 90 bucks or something i like buy it now and then i got lucky and somebody listed that low pan and spelled it wrong right like really like la pan oh my gosh like awesome. Fu Manchu, so no one la else pan. was looking for it yeah and i got it and it was like you know similar price range 80 you know 80 70 dollars or something like that i think it was 87 dollars still a lot of money if you go, and I got these like two or three years ago. If you go like on eBay now, the the cheapest you can get that Jack Burton is like around like two hundred to three hundred bucks. And Hot Toys is doing one, yeah. which I'm gonna get next year. Two hundred to three hundred bucks. But at the same time, it's like that's my favorite movie. I also yeah. have a full size movie poster of it that I got John Carpenter to sign when he came out here and did a concert i still think that movie doesn't get the kind of respect that it deserves um, that that was actually the film i just want to quick say that the exorcist is my favorite movie and in our round table i know you saw, <laughs> heard the episode right. but victor looked at me dead in the eye and goes which one would you rather watch the exorcist or big trouble little child I'm like big trouble <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's the truth rewatchability counts Rewa for it was lot. about yeah. rewatchability yeah, but totally. that's like when you when i hear people say oh what are your favorite movies and they're like oh well clearly citizen kane the person who says that the rock is their favorite movie okay i just want to be clear and they'll say oh well those are clearly my favorite movies but nothing tops schindler's list and I'm like, oh, stop. you have seen Schindler's List like two or three Twice. times. You know that Tops. Facebook thing that, yeah. that went around recently where it was like, name the number one movie from every year you've been alive, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and what I found interesting as I was making that list is that I wasn't going with, I mean, there are movies that I adore from a lot of those years that are more kind of like, you know, like below the radar films. Yeah. Um, but I didn't end up picking those ones. I picked the big ones. I picked the pop movies. I yeah. picked the blockbusters because those generally are the ones that I want to rewatch over and yeah. over and over Well, there again. was literally a time that my wife and I watched The Lost Boys two to three times a week. Right. Not even a joke. Every night at bedtime, let's put Lost Boys on. We'll go see while we're watching Lost Boys. Yeah. Jasper yeah. Reale killer yeah. fucking tattoo of the I lost do. boys Dude, that's a great arm, movie still not the best movie in 1987 but it's an awesome movie yeah there were a lot that was a good year it was movies. a good year for movies i know a lot of people like summer of 82 is the best year and like uh, 87 can a, give it a run for its 87 is a close second four, yeah. Is for yeah. me yeah, number yeah. one yeah yeah but uh yeah so you know that we took an interesting road there. Yeah, organic. Organic. Yeah, we were going to talk about something else, and then we ended up in this interesting uh, 
collectibles discussion, but I'm sure we'll get to uh, uh, our underseen movies you should check out. So what what would so put in the comments what you want to gloat about there you yeah. Go. or yeah. what you actually want to talk about or tag us on Instagram at cult by cult following AZ because we're always interested in seeing your Instagram name videos. There you go. <laughs> but until <laughs> next time, dirty for a second. <laughs> show us your man caves. <laughs> hey, open man, up and show it. I, I I really admit that's one of the, my number one tags that is like poor collection. And I'm like, Fuck. I swear That's to God, so though, big. almost every Instagram picture I see people's fully collections is like, like three, three shelves of Blu-rays, then the makeshift shelf on top, and then there's all the pops, and then like three yeah. or four Jason masks. Uh, true, true. I can't disagree with that. But um, <laughs> there's definitely some people out there, though. And there's some people who've never even posted that I've seen over online over the years, and I'm like, man, some of the people that have collections, I'm like. I don't even know where you and, and that's the thing you talked about when well, you're talking about the big troll and little shy dude yeah. I, I do have to feel it's like people who paid like $5,000 for a plasma TV in 2002 you know for like a 40 inch and now you're like <laughs> man I, I have dodged some bullets on collectibles <laughs> over the years I gotta say that's a whole nother topic we could talk yeah, about sometime yeah yeah Awesome. Yeah, but until next time, I'm Victor Moreno alongside Jasper. Later. Kirby. What's up to the vegan straight edge? And Joshua. Ghost nipples. Ghost nipples. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Boobies. Until Boobies. next time, keep watching the skis.